Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. May looking, comes it in the end zone, touchdown Carolina. Bryson Nesbitt. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Second and five. Hennigan's going to keep it. A little RPO. Out to the tight end. Please score. Please score to the end zone. All he does is what? 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since 1952. On the right hip and now to the left to Spencer Rattler. Quick throw intercepted. Jeremiah Trotter heading for the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Second 13. Rodgers taken down again. Harold Perkins, the true freshman. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Smokey will be back tomorrow. 
But Craig and I are here with you. We've got Sam Khan in just about 15 minutes. Uh, he'll talk about the transfer of Zakari Franklin from UTSA to Ole Miss. Uh, what's going on in, you know, after SEC meetings, what he gleaned from that. And just It's always great to have Sam on to talk about college football issues as he sees them. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, a cast of thousands behind the scenes here. And uh, right off the bat, uh, the, when I woke up this morning, um, I was kind of inundated by a couple people sending me tweets of an outkick.com story of it's happening, it's happening, conference realignment is happening. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that I don't know that it is or it's not, but I can tell you that based on that story, that is um, not a, not outkick.com, but the, the article that it used and then Sports Illustrated picked it up and it's kind of gone places. So if you came here waiting for us to tell you that it's happening, it's happening with Colorado and Arizona, I'm here to tell you right off the bat, guys, not today. I mean, not that it's not, not that it, 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 I don't know. We don't know what's happening, but the story was put out there by a source that I, I don't even know who it is really. Uh, and had to honestly show me like Jack had to send me this treat tweet screenshot because the source is blocked the three of us on our show for whatever reason. I don't know. So, uh, I would not put any weight into what you read today about it because it's the same thing. And eventually and the, the tweet just said, well, after they see the TV deal, then they're going to go, which is what it's nothing anyway. That's, that's been the story this entire time. <laughs> yeah, that is so, definitely not new news if that's what they were using as new news. Yeah, so I needed. I wanted to address it right off the bat because I have a feeling we have, because it did get make the rounds, especially around if you're a realignment fan or a person who has come to this show because we talk about realignment and, and all of that and all the other issues facing college football, and you were like, oh, man, I can't wait to hear what they say about Colorado and Arizona, then you can just rewind to our show from Friday. Because that's the the latest news. And I'll tell you, the most substantial thing I think we've heard, honestly, in the last month or so was when Craig and I talked to Brian Howell. Was that Thursday or Friday? Friday. Friday last week from the Bowler Daily Camera. And Craig asked him, your feelings straight up and down. Do you feel like, you know, it will be... You know, if they'll just wait for the TV deal no matter how long that takes. And he said, well... That used to be how he felt, but now he said it's getting to a point where that might not be the case, that they may just get tired of waiting. And that is the first time, because we've had him on before, you know, saying almost the exact opposite, but his opinion of the situation has changed when it comes to Colorado. So that's more substantive than, you know, what, oh, I this is what I heard from my sources. Um, it's right now at this point, it lives in the fake news category, and the reason somebody can tweet that out and say that is that they might eventually be right. So what, what's the story, actually? Because I, I, I okay. don't even know. So the story was, uh, and it was just a, it was you know reports from um, this outlet, the person who has a podcast or something, um, and they said, uh, sources have confirmed to me that Colorado and Arizona are coming to the, pit, to the Big 12, but they'll have to see the Pac-12 TV deal first. So basically, what everybody's been saying for like six, seven, eight months now at this point, yeah. except for I guess saying it's, it's like two. Yeah. Okay, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, what we heard on Friday from Brian Howe was eye-opening because he, the last time he joined us, was not open at all, really, to the idea of Colorado being interested in the Big Twelve. And then on Friday, he had pivoted. He was far more open to the idea, if not, um, you know, fifty-fifty, if not, maybe even slightly leaning in the. They're going to go back to the Big 12 direction. Now, there was nothing coming up 
you know, on the docket per se that he was sharing with us of like, yeah, watch out for this date or, you know, by next week or anything along those lines. It sounded like it was still very much work in progress. Uh, but the idea of Colorado being open to the idea is, uh, yeah, it, that's that's factual uh, at this point. We know that. We knew that before talking to Brian because of other reasons. But, yeah, I mean, that only solidified it even further of like, okay, now even a guy who if he was going to hear the other side and have a totally different take – um, that would have been somebody to have one, and he didn't. He was like, no, well, you know, I think there's a pretty good chance that could happen. So, um, you know, that's sort of where we left it. I didn't see much over the weekend to, to really change any opinions or anything that was uh, all that newsworthy. You know, I do think the schools that have made the most sense here as of late, Colorado's obviously had a lot of smoke. Uh, Arizona's been another one that, you know, we hear a lot from Jason Shear and uh, his side of, uh, you know, the commentary and all that. And uh, they seem like a school that's kind of stuck in there as being one that's a, a really good possibility. So, you know, if that ultimately happens and it all works out, then great. Um, I certainly think, you know, there's reasons to be optimistic about that. I don't know. I can't certainly report that there's anything um, imminent or that's absolutely going to happen and it's a, a 100% done deal. And, uh, you know, certainly it's it's easier to say something like that when you put the caveat of like, but until, you know, like that's – that kind of it, it kind of defeats the the some of the, the strength behind it because it's like oh wow this oh wait you're saying but maybe so yeah um it sounds like a lot of kind of what we've already heard in yeah. a lot of ways and, and look I would not have even addressed it except for the fact that um a, a bunch of people sent it to me today and I thought ah we've got we've got viewers of this show who are who are probably going to tune in today waiting for us to talk about it and. I mean, look, well, we can, you know, we have plenty of open space today. A lot of people are going on vacation. I got a lot of responses back from people who were, oh, I'm leaving on vacation day, or I'm still on vacation, or, you know, all those different things. So, you know, it, it or I, can I do it tomorrow? So we have two guests. We have Sam Khan in seven minutes, and we've got David Hellman at 530. So we got lots of time to hit issues that are facing college sports and college athletics. But at the end of this, I just, I wanted to start off with saying, hey, uh, that's not like we're not going to come here and break news until it's actually broken and, you know, and say those things. And it was, it was just interesting. And, and Craig, you and I have been doing shows together for a long time. We worked together a long time. I have, I, this might be the first time I've ever personally had to like call out something that's been reported you know, like this. Well, apparently, like, I think uh, media beef is so lame. Yeah, so, so I, don't I don't really, really want to get into that. Yeah, but, I just, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I guess a couple different ways to play that. Um, man, I, I'm just going to be a bigger person here uh, because, yeah. you know, I really could uh, go go a different direction. But, um, all right, um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. But, yeah, there's nothing to report today. And, um you know, hopefully there is some clarity for all involved here in the very near future, but um, nothing, you know, imminent uh, like we said, and um, we all remain waiting, and I'm really just trying to figure out how to best use my words here because yeah, I mean, I, I'm on the tipping point of just going on a rant um, against – yeah, it's just not even worth it. No, I mean, so, yeah, we're um, – you're never, you're never going to hear this show – or any show that's involved at 365 Sports um, at all, say, my sources are telling me this until we know that what the source says is actually happening. Like, that's just not how we work. 
That's not how it should work, and that's not how we do it. So when you hear us say something our sources said, we know that it's going to happen because otherwise it's a waste of our time and yours. Yeah, I mean, we have fun speculating just a yeah. general conversation like everybody, but as far as reporting something, yeah. Like, I mean, and I think just to report today is um, whatever it is. I you can't see it because I'm probably like a lot of other people out there apparently. Um, but um, – yeah, I mean, I don't think there's that's what you would consider a report to begin with. Yeah. That's just repeating a lot of what's kind of been said. Maybe there's more confidence behind it. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, uh, kind of the same old status quo as it has been, although there maybe is a little bit more momentum, you know, just the further we move along and the more days go by that uh, we're heading in the direction that, you know, kind of the recent arrows have been pointing, which is uh, very, um, you know, great possibility uh i don't know maybe great's even too strong but a very good possibility that yeah there's some some movement that goes on and perhaps that is from the pac-12 to the big 12 i haven't seen uh much of the uh, pac-12 kind of responses here lately like i know for a long time it's been brushing it off or uh disregarding it entirely or you know stupid little hashtags or whatever um you know call big 12 fans names and you know act like you're better than them and all of that. And look, Big 12 fans, I'm sure there's a ton of them that have, you know, thrown it right back and the mudslinging goes all directions. You know, I'm not naive here. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to hear, you know, from some of them of like if their opinions have changed here in the past couple of weeks just because of the way the winds have blown because we haven't, um, you know, heard maybe as much of the fighting back as we did there for about a month. And then here in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's been kind of all quiet on that front, and if anything, it's been more, you know, winds blowing in this you know, whole Colorado thing or whatever. The Arizona pieces are still a little bit murkier. Um, I haven't seen Jason Shear, and I haven't checked, mind it, you, either. He'll be on the show tomorrow at 4. Yeah, fact, I haven't so. seen, like, what his latest is and, you know, how confident he is in a move like that. But, you know, Twitter allows you to say a lot of things, and the thing is, is you can be wrong, and you can be wrong a lot, and it just, you know, certain t- top subjects pop up, and this – you know, uh, becomes a, a whole type of a circus and, and clowns show up and, you know, there's a lot of different things you have to sort through. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to kind of keep track of what's what, but as far as on our end goes, um, yeah, nothing new to, to really report on, on any front other than, um, there's just a lot of smoke out there right now. And it's, it's all very interesting. I know it's a very stressful time for probably a lot of, uh, fans out there, uh, particularly of the Pac-12, just to kind of want to yeah. know. And, you know, it's also like you're kind of worried you're going to take kind of, kind of a loss here, right? Yeah. Even if you started to rationalize of like, I've seen the whole, well, if we lose these two, we just go add these two, and it's all good. We go add San Diego State and SMU, but I think there is still a little bit of, oh, man, like there's, there's a little bit of a loss feeling, I think, if, if something were to happen. And then again, you know, as I've, I've said all along, even though it's looking more and more unlikely, um, you know, I guess until there isn't, there's still a chance that – you can hold it all together, but it's just like, man, we're so far down the line at this point that it's, it's just becoming harder and harder to believe. And certainly, you know, I, I held out um, the idea months and months ago of, man, what are a lot of Big 12 fans going to feel like if they talk all this trash and then what if, like, the pack pops up with a better deal? And um, that doesn't look like it's going to happen, so I think Big 12 fans have been safe from that. But, you know, that that was the thing there for a little while. You kind of wondered, and and I only say that because now I'm at the point where I just don't believe that's that's obviously feasibly going to happen. I, like, I think their best shot is the same deal. Yeah, but as far you know. as, like, breaking up, I mean, yeah. I guess there's still a small chance of survival, but it does feel like every, 
you know, day that passes, there's more of an opportunity or more of a, a percentage uh, raise that, you know, there is going to be some defection of some sort. Yeah, I think it's, you know, and, and yeah, everybody's gotten in the weeds. You know, there's, there are, there's a, Ennis and Corsican are our high schools here. They're not too far away from us, and they are bitter rivals. And when Corsicana built their new stadium right after Ennis built theirs, or the other way around, but they found out how many seats were in the opponent's, their rival stadium, and then added one to it and painted it so you'd know that's the one that's more. Just out of spite. And that's, that's what this... It's very petty, th- yes. Yeah, that's what this feels like right now. Like, very petty. So if... The Big 12 winds up with a million dollars more than the Pac-12 if they do get the media deal done. It's not going to be like, aha, we got it. We're, no, I mean, right now you're, you're splitting hairs. Or if, you know, whatever happens, it's all. And, again, none of that money goes to you, the fan, e- anyway. It, uh, it really just kind of comes from you eventually. Sam Kahn of The Athletic joins us now. And, Sam, we, uh, I reached out to you this morning. I know that uh, you've got tons of stuff to do today and I, I really appreciate you hopping on but starting off right off the bat um UTSA wide receiver Zakari Franklin currently was well until this weekend the most sought after player in the portal he leaves and goes to Ole Miss it was a long long time I mean relatively given the that he was in compared to everybody else that that kind of went in at the same time as he did how did this kind of shake out with him and in, in, in Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss yeah, I think it was just mainly trying to find the right fit. You know, Zakari's been at UTSA now four years. He was, you know, the only program he's been a part of. He's been there with a bunch of guys that that he really developed the chemistry with. You know, Frank Harris and Josh Stephens and J.T. Clark and Oscar Cardenas and Frank, and of course, Coach Jeff Trailer and that staff. And you know, th- this is his last chance to really prove that he can play at a level that will get him noticed at the next level. And I would argue that I think NFL scouts would have noticed him anyway at UTSA, but I think there's something to be said for going to the SEC and proving it there. And and that was really, I think, one of the biggest emphasis for him to make the move was like, hey, go, you've proven yourself as one of the best players in the country uh, in, in the group of five level. Now let's go do it at a higher level. And then obviously, you know, there's going to be some other opportunities there for him. But But I think, when you look at Lane Kiffin's offense and, and what you can do, the numbers you can kind of put up, he, he likes to throw the ball. They like to go at a high tempo. They've got some, uh, you know, really good – he's got a really good history of developing quarterbacks and, and getting really productive receivers. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a really good match for those two, and I think you're going to see Zahari Franklin really make some waves in the SEC. Sam, uh, just UTSA in general, that's obviously a blow for them. But I, I guess if there's one thing that Jeff Trailer and company have been able to do, they've been able to do a lot of things, but they're, they're not lacking in skill talent. Uh, you know, obviously having Frank Harris back, also have a couple of a pretty good wide receivers that will be rolling back as well. But, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it. We, we, we know Jeff Trailer pretty well. He's a, a school that's definitely, you know, a prime poaching ground because of their ability to evaluate talent. Any idea of just kind of the, the frustrations on their end after this move? Yeah, definitely, because it, it, it also happened two days before the portal closed. I think Zakari went in on April 28th. The, the spring window closed on April 30th. And D- Jeff Trailer and his staff and the administration, everybody at UTSA, have tried to do everything they can to keep their players. Jeff has been very active and aggressive about vocalizing the collectives that they have at, at UTSA and, the, and the, the NIL ventures that they have there. And he's Said it. Anytime you talk to him or anytime 
you see him do a press conference, he's hammering that, hey, we've got to get our staff salaries up because we've lost six coaches to Power 5 programs in the last two years. Uh, we've got to get our NIL up because we want to keep as many of these players. You want this program to be successful, we got to make sure these players are compensated. And I think, by and large, when you compare where UTSA is in the college football landscape and how they're doing NIL, they're doing actually a pretty good job. They've, I think they've done pretty well in the NIL front. But there's also going to be opportunities for guys, that, and there's going to be a level that UTSA cannot reach at that, and that big perennial power programs or programs in conferences like the SEC or the Big Ten are going to be able to do things that, that UTSA is not going to be able to do because UTSA has only been in existence as a football program since 2011. And so we, you, we're not talking about generations and generations of fans for this football program, and this is still very much a budding, growing program. And so that's a challenge that they're going to have to fight, and it is frustrating for Jeff Trailer. It is frustrating for that staff because you're right. They're one of the best staff in this state, maybe one of the best in the country, at identifying and developing talent. You look at some of the guys that sent to the draft, some of these guys were really low-rated. Heck, Zakari Franklin was a two-star recruit in the 247 composite. He was ranked 2,722nd in the country. And that that's a guy that they went in and got. So it, it is frustrating, but at the same time, they did benefit a lot from his presence. And I think they'll be just fine. It sucks to lose him, but they'll be fine because they've got Frank Harris, because they've got Josh Jesus, because they've got J.T. Clark, because they've got Oscar Cardenas. They'll be, they'll be just fine this year going to the AAC. Who do you think the quarterback that will be throwing the ball to Zakari Franklin the most will be? Oh, it's going to be Frank. I mean, it's Frank. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You made an old Miss. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm still in UTSA mode. Yeah. So who are the guys there? Spencer Sanders still there? Yeah. And yeah. Jackson Dart still there? Who's all there? Right Walker now? Howard? Oh, gosh. That's a really tough That's a really tough choice. I, I would I would venture to guess Spencer Sanders. He's only got one year, and I feel like you don't grad transfer unless you're going to be the guy. Walker Howard's still got some time left, and, and I think ultimately he's the long-term option for them. Uh, so, so I think it's one of those two. But I think if I were betting this year, I'd say Spencer Sanders. He, he gives them some mobility. He's a veteran. He's won big games. He, he's, you know, he's taken his team to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, he's been through so much. And I think that experience is just – it's so hard to replace. And I think it's going to give him an edge over everybody else. Sam, as we are hitting like this last uh, four or five week stretch before Big 12 Media Days, obviously there will be a lot to talk about there. But uh, just what are maybe a couple of the storylines, uh, whether it's, you know, obviously there's a lot of the realignment buzz going on right now. Uh, there's the, I guess the portal's quieted down. Is I guess is realignment kind of the biggest topic you, you would say for, for the next couple weeks, few weeks until um you know media days pop off and and just in that regard what are your thoughts on kind of the all the rumors swirling out there right now especially in regards to the big 12 yeah i think uh, i think until the pac-12 media deal gets done uh, or until the the big 12 makes some kind of move i think that's going to be the dominant topic of conversation i will say that personally i'm looking forward to talking about actual ball mm-hmm. uh that this, this is the time of year we get into june july and we get into the realignment topics and and we've been talking about it for so long that I, I get a little bit tired of it, unfortunately. But sure. but it's good for business, and and we're we're in the interest of serving our, our readers and our listeners, and and they love it. So so we're going to give it to them. But I think that's going to be top of mind. Certainly, uh, the future of this conference, I think, is going to be a, a storyline just in general because we see where the SEC is, we see where the Big Ten is. It feels like they're on their own island financially uh, compared to the rest of the conferences, and it, the the fight is is going to be. 
who is in that next tier? Is the Big 12 in that next tier? Is that the third best conference that you're talking about when you're talking about profile, revenue, all those things? Uh, is it going to be ACC? Where's the Pac-12 fit in? I, I think where the future of this conference is is going to be is a big talking point. And me personally, when I go into Big 12 media days, I really want to know who's going to win the league. I, I really look at it as a wide open. I think we've discussed it before. It's a wide open league, in my opinion. I, I think you're going to see when the poll comes out, probably Texas or Kansas State's going to be in that one of those top two, probably occupying those top two spots. But then after that, I feel like, gosh, it could be any number of teams that could, that could be in contention for the conference title. And I think this is a really exciting time to be following this conference because there are so many teams that I think could be a factor that you really don't know year to year. Uh, what you're going to end up with at AT&T Stadium in December. Sam, Texas is in a, the perpetual loop of if not now, when? And this is their last chance to win the Big 12. It might be their last chance to win the conference for a little while, a conference for a little while as they transition into the SEC next season. Is this the best they have been set up-wise to win the conference since maybe 2009 or 10? Yeah, I would say certainly... Uh, definitely since the, I would say in the post Mac Brown era, yes. Uh, this is definitely the best things have lined up. I think 2018 things lined up pretty well also, but I would argue to say that they, they, they had a good roster that Tom Herman brought in and they got to the Big 12 championship. They ended up losing Oklahoma, but I still thought they were building at that point and I thought they were, there was another level for them to get to and they never really got it. I will say, that the way Steve Sarkeesian has built this roster, the way they've recruited, the way they've done their staff. Uh, I saw that just last week they hired Paul Chris and, and a few others. So they've really done it. He's really done a good job from a staff standpoint. It seems like they're doing everything right over there. You know, the NIL is, is you know, uh, on the cutting edge. The staff is really good. The player, the roster, the, the offensive and defensive line recruiting has been really good. Obviously, the quarterback recruiting has been really good. So they're doing everything right. And, and I do think that they're a legitimate contender to win the title. I don't think that's just preseason, you know, full or Texas rider hype. I think, I think that's, I think it's they're legit, but perhaps the most talented team in the conference. And when you look at their trajectory uh, and the way they, they took a step up last year and where they're going and the talent they returned, I really do think they're in a good spot. And I do think this, this, if you're a Texas fan, you've got to feel better about the direction of the program right now than you have probably at any point in, in the Mac, post-Mac Brown era. What do you make of uh, TCU trying to reload after last season? It seems, Sam, like they could have something pretty well set up there with Sonny Dykes where they just you know reload at the skill spots, which is probably easier than ever given the transfer portal makes it easier than ever to do that. I mean, they're, they're replacing a lot, but, man, there's no lack of confidence coming out of that place. Do you feel like that's a program there with Sonny Dykes where it's just such a perfect fit uh, that they're going to be able to maybe be a bit better despite all they lost um, following last year's terrific run? Yeah, I, th- I think it's hard to be better than they were, obviously. And I, I don't know that they can ever replicate a run like that. But I will say as a program, it is an exciting time for them because they just kind of scratched the surface of what they could do. They, they took a really talented roster, and you got to give Gary Patterson credit because that the heart and soul of that team was what he recruited. Now, that said, they he struggled a lot with that because he, did, he had kind of fallen behind in a lot of other areas as a coach. And, and that, that's where I think Sonny Dykes picked it up. But now you've done it one year. So now what can you do this next year? 
I love what they've done in the portal. They, they've reloaded at receiver. Uh, they've added some, you know, they added a quarterback for depth. They added uh, Trey Sanders at running back. They, they added a defensive lineman in a corner. Uh, so, so I think they've done a really good job there. To me, where their ceiling can rise is if they can raise up that high school recruiting a little bit. Last year they had a class, I think, that ranked 19th or 20th in the country. It's the highest that TCU's ever been in the modern internet recruiting rankings era. And they push into that top 15, and they start to get some more of those guys at Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma want, if they can, if they can get a few more of those guys and start filling out that high school class and those developmental guys a little bit better and a little bit more consistently and just I think it's hard to do top 10 of your TCU. It's just hard to get – it's hard to recruit at that level. But if you can just be a top 20 national recruiting program consistently, boy, you've got yourself in a really, really good spot in the future of the Big 12. And I do think when you consider their resources, their location, their donor base, I think everything that they have points to a chance to really be a big-time factor in the future of the Big 12. Sam Kahn, the tech expert from The Athletic. Uh, I got one more question. What are your thoughts on the SEC schedule, Sam? You know that little uh, nagging topic from last week. (laughs) We already already brought up realignment. I had to bring up the other annoying topic that everybody's probably sick of at this point. But, I mean, we've talked plenty of A&M with you over the years. You know that program very well. It's a very interesting time with Texas sliding in there along with Oklahoma. Um, They're going to figure it out. Is this just simply a money thing in your mind and and uh, much ado about nothing in the end? I think it's. I think it is a money thing. I think it probably has more to do with hey, they want as much money as they can get from ESPN to get that ninth conference game up, as opposed to what's already built into the contract. My my take is just get it done. Just get it done and give us nine. If there is any, if there is any world that we have that does not include Texas and Texas A and M playing every single season, then they have royally screwed up. And that it's because ultimately, why do we follow these games? Why do we love college football? One of the biggest things we love about it is the rivalry. We don't root for the teams because we want our team to pull in an extra $10, $20 million a year in revenue. We're not sitting here rooting on the bank accounts. We're rooting for our teams on Saturday. And there's nothing that gives you that, that those good feelings or those emotional feelings quite like playing against your rival. And, and that doesn't just go for Texas A&M. That goes for Georgia and Auburn. That goes for Alabama and Tennessee and, and all these other teams that have multiple rivals. Just get it done. Make sure we do this because ultimately if, if we talk – people talk so much about NIL and one-time transfer rule and media eligibility rule in the sport. It's decisions like this where you put off what's best for the sport. It's, it's getting, breaking up rivalries or not allowing rivalries to be played every year. That's what's really harmful to the sport long-term because that's when you start to lose fans because if you're not emotionally invested in it, then you're going to be less likely to consume the product. And so I do think by this time next year, we'll have it done back to with the SEC doing nine games. But the fact that we're even having to sit here talking about it for another year is preposterous. And, I, and I'm, I'm ashamed that they had to do that because, it, it to me, it's so easy. It's a layup. Just get it done. Everybody will count their money, and let's move on. Sam Kahn, the tech expert from The Athletic. Uh, not only an expert, uh, he's also a barbecue expert. I want people to know that. <laughs> and uh, and one one day, Sam, when you come into town, we 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 got to hit up a spot. So uh, yeah, I got I got one for you if you haven't been there yet. So um, it's it's really good. Sam Connor of the Athletic. Sam, thank you so much. I know you're swamped for the rest of the day. Thanks for hopping on. 
No problem. Thanks so much, guys. I'll take care. There you go. Sam Connor, The Athletic. Uh, really, uh, one of my favorite writers to, to read. And he, especially, you know, he, he covers everything that is in our area so well mm-hmm. uh, and, and is uh, in so well plugged in. Yeah, I've, I, I love having Sam on when we can get him. Yeah, and I, uh, I didn't want to interrupt the flow there, but I, I was trying to ask, and I didn't ask you properly. I wasn't trying to say, would they be better than they were last year when they had the greatest run, yeah. you know, arguably in modern school history because they do have a national title from from way back but uh, more was trying to ask can they be like a consistently really good team like mm-hmm. like a, a borderline to above elite team on occasion can they be can they be in the top 15 all yeah. the time can they yeah. be what Baylor was shaping up to be before yeah. our brows got canned because yeah. if you look at them like the things that they have in place right now are a lot of what was in place for Baylor to go on that run and then everything broke loose but I mean you look I mean all the way down to strength and conditioning if you ask anybody on that TCU team who's like the unsung hero it's the same guy that everybody was talking about at Baylor for years and years when they were winning games it's Kaz Kazadi right and and what he does on the strength and conditioning side and some people will tell you oh you met one you met a dozen like no I mean I'm not saying that nobody can do it like him I've just never heard anybody describe like he, him. He is in the like he and the mental part of it is as strong the, as anybody. He's in the he's in the upper echelon of yes. those guys. And I'm actually very surprised, and it may have just been because of the the way it was tough for those guys to get hired after Baylor. Uh, that and I'm not knocking TCU, but like that he didn't that he's not at, at a like Georgia or at something. Georgia like, or LSU honestly, or something yeah. like that because he is. That's what. That was what the the brilliant thing that they did. They're going to come in and run this offense. Well, they're going to have to have a guy that is and, – and when I tell you about strength and conditioning, the way that Kaz did it, the the story, I've never heard a story about Kaz, like, letting you slide on something. Like, he he would walk by – we were at the – doing a show one day for – I want to say it was Pro Day or something. But it, it Pro Day and Spring Ball had overlapped a little bit. So they were in Pro Day, and then after Pro Day, since everything was still kind of set up there, Kaz had – the guys who were on the, the the poo list, so to speak, who had messed up doing their punishments, and he had guys, you know, pushing weights across the end zone back and forth and back and forth until they were just cashed. And I went up and I said, Coach, what's what's going on? What are these guys doing? He's like, Well, that guy had McDonald's. This one, um, I you know, ate a second ice cream when we had our cheat day, and it, I mean, he was serious on that. And they were in the best shape because that offense and the offense that. Kendall Bryles will be running at TCU, and the one that Sonny Dykes was running a year ago with Garrett Riley means that you have to run all day. Every position has to run all day. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to have them really good on the mental side of things. You didn't see them make a lot of mental mistakes last year. If you look at one of uh, you know various videos, I mean, the, the mental side's really what he hones in on, and... You know, you look at like the sixty-one fifty-eight game. If you're not mentally strong, there's no way they come back and win that game. And there's various other examples of of him, you know, at Baylor or at TCU or stops in between, uh, where you know he changes the culture. And so they, you know, that's one thing that, like, here's what I'm getting at. When uh, Browse got fired, one of the guys bandied about was Sonny Dykes. Now at that point, he was still at Cal, and like the idea of him just sliding in, like I don't know, it just felt like they needed a little bit more of a like more than a coach, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't just like, let's go hire who can win the most games. Cause if you just hired Sonny Dykes, you probably could have done that because really not a whole lot on the surface would have changed as far as the football and like the personnel and things like that. Now he wouldn't have been able to have cause on staff. 
Yeah. So that's one thing that TCU can do that Baylor couldn't do. But, yeah, now they've hired Kendall Bryles. They run an up-tempo offense. They're uh, recruiting really really well. They've got the benefit of the portal, which is something you didn't have uh, a few years back. Um, the NFL uh, style has completely changed from back then where a lot of the guys in those offenses, or at least at that level of Baylor, they weren't ready to go to the pros, but now so many teams are running it, even in the SEC, that those guys are now highly coveted in these modern-day NFL offenses. So it's all shaped up to be like this is what you kind of thought that that could have ultimately turned into is like that's what they're now actually doing there at TCU. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm very curious. Does that make sense to you, Garrett? It, it's, oh, absolutely. It's, it's like they've got that whole mold, even with the uh, Bryles on staff running the offense to the Koskindati strength and conditioning, but to the up-tempo offense, the Texas high school ties with Dykes. I mean, there's just a lot, uh, you know, that's, that's shaped up to have them in a spot where – Man, you, you wonder where that could have gone. Like, we're about to see, possibly. Yeah. Well, and in a slightly different era where it's actually even better because now there's playoff spots and there's multiple playoff spots. And the Big 12s lose in Oklahoma and Texas, so they're not even in the way anymore. And so that's what I was getting at. It was just like, I wonder how far they can take this thing, if they can turn it to where Baylor had it. And even when GP was at his best, when he and Browse were really bumping heads, where they were both like top 10 ish teams. Um, yeah, it's going to be curious well, to see if Dykes can do that. And the one thing they hadn't quite cracked yet was, and Phil Bennett was was hard to work on it, was they had not cracked the defensive side of the, the ball yet because the whole conference was running these offenses and you essentially had to, you know, outscore everybody and, and run, run, run. And, you you know, it was more about getting those stops. And they had started to make those strides. Phil Bennett was doing, you know, and, and we love him anyway, but they you saw what they were doing on defense progressively, but they had to get to the point where a defense – the defense could win them games mm-hmm. when when the offense had rough days. They weren't there yet when all that was going on. And now you have near a decade of research on how to stop it and yep. teams changing and moving into that 3-3-5 defense that defends it a lot better and changing how they recruit defensive players as opposed to, you know, coming in, you've recruited for a 4-3 defense with these big, you know, hunking, you know, linebackers and all that stuff, like big linebackers and all that, and people powered up to stop the run, and then you all of a sudden have to go, well, you know, we're not going to be stopping the I formation anymore. Now you're going to have to spread out and chase people down all day long. And so it was was an academic shift, so to speak, in the way that defenses had to look at things, and it takes time. Everybody adjusts, but, you know, for a while there, like, nobody really had an answer. That's why Nick Saban was trying to change the damn rules. Because even he was like, I don't know, we gotta we gotta change the rules here. This offense is moving too fast. It's dangerous. Well, and Phil Bennett also had to do that on the fly when nobody like exactly nobody point, was really doing no, it. <laughs> so like, oh, the defense is always out there. Well, the offense is scoring in two plays on every single drive. Like the defense is, <laughs> has to be out there. There's nowhere else for them to go. The offense doesn't stay on the field because they score so fast. So yeah, now you're seeing more teams have to adapt to that, and it's just become more normal. And so now instead of it being like. Well, don't go there. That offense, that, that you're not pro ready. Well, now that's who the pros are drafting. So if you're J, uh, JoJo Earl, and boom, you slide over from Alabama the, via the transfer portal into TCU, and now that's what TCU can do as well is you've got this not overly complicated offense, but one that's very dynamic, and now you can just go pluck skill guys out of the transfer portal, and now you've got that playoff run back in you. And so there's there's really a lot that's, you know, 
shaped up to be very beneficial to them moving forward. And uh, I'm curious to see if, like, yeah, if they re- if they come back off last year and all they lost and they have another, like, 9-10 win year, then dang, man, get ready because that means that that's going to probably be pretty consistent moving forward with the setup that they have. Um, and if they take a little bit more of a dip, then maybe we hold our horses. But that's why I'm so curious to see it is, like, what kind of follow-up can they have? And uh, the bigger the follow-up, uh, you know, the more – you start to eye them as a team that's like, okay, you're talking about your Big 12, who's going to run the conference and who's going to be the top dog and all that. I mean, they're as good of a candidate as anybody. You know, K-State, I know, has a, has a say in that as well. Others will too. Um, but, but yeah, there's a lot just in the ter- current atmosphere that I think plays well for them and uh, what they're trying to do. Um, and, you know, it starts, uh, you know, with Koska's eyes, we started talking about the, the very top of this. But, uh, yeah, good to, good to get Sam's thoughts as well on uh, – on the realignment, I know he's like a lot of people where, you know, some of them uh, just love it and can't get enough of it. And then there's like me where I'm more in the middle of like, I love it and it's interesting. But then there's some times where I'm like, all right, let's take a time out just on occasion. And then there's some people that absolutely loathe it um, who are clearly not our audience. But um, it, it's going to come to a conclusion, you know, eventually. We all know that's the one thing we can all predict is there will be a conclusion. It's just a matter of how soon is that coming. So I definitely get the, the fatigue uh, factor because, uh, you know, day after day of who knows and when and all that, it, it can be a little bit exhausting sometimes. But it, it, if anything, with each passing day, we're getting closer to, to whatever that end looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Can't, can't wait for it. Uh, it might happen while I'm gone for two weeks, and then uh, I'll be even happier. But, uh, no, I, yeah, then I'll be sitting here waiting, you know, paddling my canoe here for a week when it's not happening, and then I'm going to leave, and it's, it's gone. But uh, when we come back, got a question a friend of mine posed to me about what he, he was wondering about the future of the conference. I want your opinions on it. Who's going to run the league not only on the field but behind the scenes now that Texas and OU, the perpetual string pullers, are gone? This is 365 Sports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Aaron Duvall, owner of Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have, uh, you know, a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. 
Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. It's the Memorial Day sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco, and these deals couldn't be any hotter. Shop the greatest selection of brand-new inventory in Central Texas and now get 10% off MSRP on 2023 Ram 1500 Crew Cab Lone Stars and Laramies. That's right, or 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours. Shop our huge selection of new inventory today or browse online. Hurry in to the Memorial Day sales event going on now at Allen Samuels in Waco. Offer ends May 31st. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Welcome back to 365 Sports. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke Smokey's back tomorrow. I will say that uh, following up the, and, and Craig, I'm glad you reminded me to say this, um, following up our opening segment where, look, we're, we said that nothing imminent is really happening with realignment today uh, in spite of, of what you may have read. Colorado is having a, a meeting, um, which I believe pertains to athletics, but again, that could be a lot of other different things. So. Yeah, we've had a few of these meetings that have come yeah, and I mean, gone that are like, you, you get built up like, is this the day? And then it's not. And is like in a lot of like looking into like board items and things like that. And hey, it's it's cool. Like the the folks that do that, like not knocking it at all. Um, but like we've seen quite a few of those. I feel like over the last few months that have sort of popped up and then gone away, um, and you don't hear about them anymore. You know, um, but there is you know one that's it's lining up tomorrow, and so now this one's the big. Will this be the day, Scuttlebutt? And I've seen uh, some of the you know. Uh, you know, usual folks who uh, monitor those types of things that are, you know, kind of uh, gearing up for for maybe this is when a, a big decision by Colorado is made. 
I don't know. Like, um, you know, you refer to the start of the show. I mean, I know there's there's nothing to report today, um, you know, on our end and, and nothing to, to go with there. Uh, but, you know, tomorrow, could that change in theory? Sure, it could, just like it could have two weeks ago, two months ago, when they've had other ones. But, I mean, yeah, like we said, you, you kind of are getting to the point now where it's like, all right, something's got to give, like for real. And, you know, maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But it would be no surprise whatsoever if that thing came and went and we're here tomorrow. Like we're not even mentioning it whatsoever. I don't even know what time it starts. But, um, you know, I, I think that that remains to be seen. But but who who the heck knows? Like I, we're – we we're not pretending to know everything and every little detail and and what exactly everything is going on. I mean, we're we're flying blind in some ways too outside of just certain things. So, yeah, I mean, I can't I can't say that we know for sure what Colorado's doing or thinking or whatever. Um so yeah, we'll we'll play that by ear and see how that goes, but uh, that is something that is out there circulating and bubbling up as a possibility for some some news tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, you know, a couple of different people, Roger Dodger and uh, Big Tech Dwell making 111 jokes in the chat room. Yeah, they're 111. Uh but yeah, they're they've they've got a coach who uh, everyone in the sports world knows. Like if you or a sports fan, he said Deion Sanders. She's like, I don't know who that is. You'd be like, I don't think he really likes sports. Well, they're going to follow up with it. He won't be there in three years, you know, and all that. And he may not. I don't know. Um, that That's kind of his – He he. that's kind of his career path, whether it's TV or coaching or when he was a professional athlete. Baseball, football, whatever you want to say, he was somewhere for a couple of years and he'd go. That's what Deion does. So, But, I mean, there's, there's, there's that around the, the program right now. And I do think it's kind of strange when you think about Colorado coming back to a conference that they left, that the conference they left is, is so different than the one oh, when they left it. Yeah. Like, it's not like they, they left and they were the only one and now they're coming back. Like they're coming back to a league that's totally different. They're not coming back to play Texas and Oklahoma and A&M and Nebraska and Missouri. Those schools are all gone. They're coming. If they would, if they were to come back, then they're playing UCF and TCU and, yeah, I mean, yes, they played Baylor and Oklahoma State and Iowa State and Kansas and Kansas State before, but in Tech. But yeah, the rest of the other part of the league, the other the other seven teams that they be coming back for are all uh, new. You know, West Virginia. Well, I just know? I just find it all very. You know, I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right that there is a very different looking set of teams in front of them than than when they left. I mean, shoot, even the state of the programs when they left, like. Baylor's not the same Baylor that it was yeah, back exactly. in 2010. Like they've won a Heisman and three Big 12 championships and a Sugar Bowl all in that time since Colorado left. Yeah. Not to mention a basketball national title, men's and women's. So, yeah, I mean that that program alone's wildly different than the one Colorado yeah. used they, to see. They were a gimme when Colorado Think was about in the that in the time that they've won a basketball national title, men's and women's, three Big 12 football titles, a Sugar Bowl, a Heisman trophy, all that since Colorado or what because RG3 was 2011, right? And yeah. Colorado's last year was 2010, right? Yeah. So, yeah, wow, that's crazy. I mean, it has been a decade, but still. you ne- If you would have told them on the way out, by the way, Baylor's going to do the, this and this. The year after. Like, Go to hell. That's not happening. The, the year after you leave, Baylor is going to win the Eisen Trophy. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, it is. It's, so, to your point, it's a wildly different. It's a wildly different thing. TCU's and, playing college football playoff a year ago. Yeah, I mean, and weren't it's even not, in the league. And it's. It's it's weird. If anybody leaves the Pac-12 right now, it's kind of a proactive move in one regard, but a reactive move in the other. In that the Big 12 adding 
TCU and West Virginia when all those other schools left wasn't proactive. It was reactive to the fact that they were down to eight teams and they needed to get to 10. So they added TCU and West Virginia and, and, and then stopped for whatever reason at, at, at 10 uh, because they, I, I don't know the reason they were, you know, splitting up the money uh, and didn't want to try to carve out the pie anymore because the TV deal was what the TV deal was. Uh, now, if you're Colorado, Arizona, anybody else who would maybe leave the Pac-12 and go to another conference, it is maybe proactive to do it before the TV deal, but it's also reactive to the fact that you don't have one and, the, and like maybe nothing is going anywhere. So it's it's very strange. They're in this nebulous territory of is it a good move to to do this now or is it or is it just being reactive to something that that you don't completely grasp? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Uh... You know, if you were to make a list of the positives and negatives on their end, I think that'd be a pretty long list on the on either side, really. I mean, there's there's plenty of positives, but I mean, clearly, you know, we need to see what happens first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's. I guess though, you know, just what what would it look like if they were in fact to make that move? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's weird to look back on like what all led up to it and you know what's occurred and what has clearly uh been more important than maybe you realize it was or maybe things that are less important than you thought that they were because i mean that's that's a massive change man like that's a that's a i mean they know it they've done it already in the last 15 years but to come back would be man that's it's just wild i mean and and to last you know less than 15 years in the other conference that you left for um, and for it to be over, you know, I guess just seemingly money and TV exposure, it's just wild. Like, I never, well, like, when all this started up, I was just like, I, I don't really feel like there's much of a chance of this. And then, you know, as things kind of started adding up, you know, there's there's waves to it all, um, you know, with the news cycle and everything. But, but yeah, I mean, the fact that we're even here at this point, and it's a, it's a pretty good possibility, um, but not a sure thing, still is, is a bit surprising. Yeah, and the when they left the Big 12 before, that was like, they were like, no, this play, you know, there's all this infighting, this this conference is going nowhere, um, we're tired of being pushed around, and they, like, they were part of that too, like, not to the degree, at least that maybe Nebraska felt that they were, or A&M felt that they were, but you know, look, what's better on the other end of this is to go somewhere where you may not do that and their choice ultimately uh, was headed for the same kind of tumultuous fate that the Big 12 has had. And and if the Pac-12 survives it, more power to them. But, you know, they jumped out of the frying pan and they didn't realize it, but, you know, a decade later they're in the fire. And that's just how college athletics goes. And the Big 12 has stabilized itself uh, to a point where, you know, they're all of a sudden an attractive option to come back to. Um, it is, you know, and if you had told me in 2011 that one day we'd talk about Colorado coming back, I'd be like, why? You know, like what, what's going to change for them? Because in 2011, when, when they, when they left, I was like, well, you know, I mean, nobody thought about the big 10, like taking teams from California. I mean, like that wasn't even in the, in the offing. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's all gotten so strange that, um, you know, it's hard to even 
look back and if you told them like, look, why don't you just stay here and write it out so you don't have to deal with this again? I wonder if they would have done it. Like if if the no, I mean because no, if Doc if Doc Brown and Marty th- pull up in the DeLorean and like, oh yeah, don't do it. Well, first of all, they're not <laughs> yeah. back yet. Yeah, um, I know, you so. know, we got to make that clear for people who are just maybe flipping yeah. over. Um, there's nothing official on that. Um, it's just discussing, speculating what that would even look like if that were to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's also, I mean, as we began this whole conversation, it's a much different Big 12. We're not talking about unequal revenue sharing that mm-hmm. broke the, the league apart. We're not talking about, you know, massive threats of defections all over the place, like what was happening, what ended up happening uh, when they decided themselves to go ahead and leave. We're not talking about Texas and Oklahoma, you know, uh, A&M, Nebraska, all this infighting and power struggles I mean, none of that exists now. Those teams don't even exist in the conference. So, you know, that's that's what helps you rationalize it a bit more and, and, and makes it make more sense uh, outside of just they're returning to exactly where they started from. They're returning to a league that's, in some cases, the same team-wise and, you know, has the same name. But besides that, besides the handful of teams that are still around and – um you know the name itself. I mean, there's a there's a lot that's different, as we mentioned. So different era, different time, uh, different uh, you know set of rules and uh, different you know landscape that uh, is going on right now. There was no NIL back in 2010 yeah. when Colorado was uh, making their decision. Um, so yeah, a lot of things have changed since well, then. You know, um, that's the other thing about now is that Deion Sanders couldn't have been a college head coach five years ago. Because he, like, one time had lunch with Des Bryant and got Des Bryant suspended hmm. for the rest of the season at Oklahoma State. I'm sure Pokes fans remember that. And there was, I mean. I hadn't thought about that in, like, 12 years. Uh, yeah. I don't know why randomly I said 12. I'm trying to think. It's probably whenever that was. was probably, I mean, right around that time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't but, know. like, yeah, I mean, so just before the rules changed, Deion Sanders couldn't have done this because – he was not the right guy at the right time. And I, so you couldn't have brought in somebody who was, you know, a marketing genius, which Dion absolutely is. <laughs> he can promote himself better than anybody can promote themselves anywhere in any walk of life. He's unbelievable at that. You can't have, you could not have that in college football just a few years ago. And here you are, you have him taking over a 111 team and got people thinking, like, well, I don't know. It's, this could be exciting because. Not only can you can go in the transfer portal and re- change out the entire roster, which he's essentially done, you can also do that by saying, like, hey, come on here and we can get you a marketing deal. And that was not possible before. So now, yeah, you're going to have guys like Deion Sanders that can, that can bring attention to programs like Colorado. And um, so, yeah, but, yeah, I think about – I remember when before the NIL stuff happened and he had uh, – people were – it was – People were talking about him because he had kind of thrown his name in the hat for FSU. I was like, well, until that stuff gets passed, I don't think anybody really wants to touch him because they know that, you know, Dion does what he thinks is is what is best for him in the program. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean following those rules because, and I just cite that Des Bryant thing, like he and his agent and Des Bryant had a meal, and then Des Bryant got suspended for the rest of the year. So that's how it worked then. Now, shoot. Have all the meals you want. Knock yourself out. Things are wildly, wildly different as they are uh, when they were a few years ago. Okay, we'll take a break right here. When we come back, who's going to run the Big 12 
on the field and off the field. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive through window, an excellent customer service find out more on instagram or just go by and see them lakeshore drive at north 19th street behind the bank You want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. (laughs) Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. (laughs) I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. 
Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Grayson Grunthafer of Sikkim365.com. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Well, that one's on me. Not true at all. Sent the wrong thing to Garrett. I'm sorry, buddy. All good. It happens. Yeah, it happens. So, and I'll just warn you, I'm on I'm on very short timer syndrome this week. <laughs> That's fair. As we as we dive through the end of the week, I'm going to be worthless. I'm just warning you all right now. Worthless. No, that's not how it works. You don't get <laughs> vacation before the vacation. But my, but my brain is not locked in. And I'm not, look, the first, the second week is vacation. The first three days of the week is not. I'm I'm on, like, I've constantly got checklists of things I've got to do in my head and call people and, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know why people do this more than once. I think, I think, look, if you get one and it doesn't work out, that's fine. Don't do it again. It's hard. I told you to go to the JP like me, man. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I'll be I mean, we're almost to the end of this glorious rainbow here. And uh it'll be it'll be it, I can't wait for it to happen, but I also uh just the constant barrage of questions and little things you have to do and the fact that if I call like I called um the hotel we have a block with for an event we're having back here in July. And the lady answered the phone on one ring, and I almost broke down in tears. I was so happy because the amount of phone tag I've played in the last six months would drive you insane. Like, it would be nice if I could just call the place, ask them a question, and hang up the phone, and then be able to go tell Amanda this is the answer to that question as opposed to, yeah, I called. They weren't there, so now I'm waiting. It's it's just – it was glorious. Like, it, it almost – it almost like – uh, it was the happiest thing that's happened to me in months when it comes to all this. Uh, and I say that jokingly. All right. I mentioned before the break that um, a friend of mine, uh, Kyle, he's a KU grad. Uh, he threw out a question to me. He was curious about, you know, OU and Texas are leaving. And they were the perpetual string pullers off the field in the Big 12. Who are the going to be the new ones that are going to try to do that? How long will that take, I wonder? And... Who are going to be the ones who who are going to run things on the field? I I mean I think the last couple of years though, Craig, of, of at least on the field because I think we'll get to off the field in a second. On the field has shown us that there's nobody that if you take the gigantic brand name of Texas who who wasn't in this conversation and the team that owned the conference forever, Oklahoma, out of it, there's paired like everybody's pretty much set up the same way and. It's going to be a couple of bounces and breaks and the right players here and there that make you either the Big 12 champion, middle of the pack, or all of a sudden, how do we get to three and nine? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun. It's, um, yeah, there should be a lot of parity. Um, you know, we just got done talking about TCU a little while ago. I mean, you know, K State feels good about the direction of things and Texas Tech feels good about what's bubbling up right now. I mean, they've got to, you know, go out on the field and actually do it. The other two have. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of reason to believe that they can uh, beginning next year and, you know, even really beginning last year with eight wins right out of the gate. 
Um, you know, Baylor, they're in kind of a weird spot right now, but I mean, they're entirely capable of jumping up and like, here's the thing is I don't know about their talent level, but I know they've got good coaching. Like I, I know they've got good coaching and I feel like even in games where they were clearly not the more talented team last year, like their coaching had them in some of those games or had them in opportunities to win games. So they're going to be, you know, tough more often than not, I think for teams, but um, yeah, it's anyone's guess. I mean, I'd say, you know, TCU and K-State are a good place to start, but I don't know that I would really have too much confidence in just labeling anybody as, like, the, the new kings of the conference a la OU. I mean, you need to do more than win, like, one or two titles. You better win, like, six of those bad boys in a eight-year span for me to consider you the, you know, the dominant name. Um, and, and we need a little time to pass for that to happen. So, yeah, it's, it's some teams that, you know, have been there, done that as far as winning the conference. Some have... You know, flirted with bigger things, um, but you know, without the the Oklahoma Texas factors, and then with you know some new faces where you don't really quite know what to expect right away from them, it's it's going to be really fascinating to see how it all kind of comes together and what comes out on the other end of it. Well, and look, TCU was the test case, and granted, they they were in an, even a different spot than everybody else who's kind of coming in. And of course, it was it was still even moderately a different era in college football then. Uh, but when they came in, they'd come off of dominating the conferences that they were in and winning the Rose Bowl and and all that with Andy Dalton. And then they step into the Big Twelve. They're already set up to be pretty good. And Gary Patterson had them right where they needed to be until until he you know he you know his carton of milk ex- expired so to speak um, with the way that he he did things and. So I wonder if there's a team like that that's set up. Like if you look at, you know, Gus Malzahn has been at UCF very long, but they've had, you know, spots of pretty good success over the last decade. Cincinnati was just in the college football playoff, but the coach who did that is gone. Uh, BYU's had a, a long tenured coach, and I don't think Kalani Sataki's really going anywhere. Uh, and then um, who did I leave out there? Um, Houston. 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 Houston is in a, a, um, a pretty transitional phase, I think, right now when it comes to their roster because they've been raided by the transfer port a little bit and you know lost a, um, you know, a couple of your quarterback and are trying to readjust that and be in a new league. So I don't know if anybody can hit the ground running like TCU did, but they still have the test case of you put a team from another league into a Power 5 league and you know water the garden, it'll grow. You know? And so I don't know who that's going to be the fastest, but... I, you know, it's it's not like there's not proof that it can happen. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know what you're asking. I mean, are you, uh, I mean, I wonder who is that team you think that would be ready to hit the ground running like TCU was, at least to a moderate degree, because again, they were coming off a Rose Bowl when they got pulled into the league. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think uh, Houston's not going to be very good right away. I mean, at least on paper, it doesn't seem like they will be. I mean, that's one of those you're like, are they going to even make a bowl game and you know, I just think the shape that they're in, maybe there's a little bit of a, a delay in, in, you know, achi- achieving success uh, right out the gates. Um, I mean, I really don't know, man, because I'm still learning about these teams, yeah. too. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, I've watched Oklahoma State every year for like 20 years in K-State, and now we've seen TCU for well over a decade, but... Um, you know, certainly wouldn't have predicted when they first arrived that they'd be doing what they're doing at this point. Um, but... I, I, you know, BYU makes sense because of the scheduling, you know, that they've had previously. That's just, you know, there's not going to be that much of a difference than Cincinnati. They're a playoff team. And I think Satterfield's a good enough coach with enough experience that it's not like they're, you know, hiring some no name guy to come in there and, you know, scoop up the pieces left over by Luke Fickle. 
Um, but yeah, I'd say UCF and BYU probably um, would lean BYU, but I don't really know who's going to be the best team out of those four next year. I, I guess maybe one of those two. Um, yeah, I'd have more faith in one of those two, but I don't know. Yeah, I, one of those two, but I, I don't feel like supremely confident about it, obviously. Um, and I just think that, you know, TCU is, is also not the the uh, the norm, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are they are not uh, what everybody's just going to end up being, you know, by, oh, they jumped up a level and now they're this is what happens when you do that. It's like, no, not everybody jumps up and then turns into what they turned into. I think they're a unique case study. So, yeah, they have a path that they drew up that you can follow to some extent. But if I had to pick, then, yeah, BYU or UCF seem like at least initially they're, they're well-equipped and I'd probably lean – uh, BYU if I had to make a choice, but, um, you know, not putting any, putting any wager on that or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I wonder, um, I wonder, yeah, I, I just don't know like enough about uh, everything. You know, we've seen, I've seen more of BYU in the last couple of years, just because, especially two years ago after they, when they played Baylor, I kind of watched them a little bit more after that because I enjoyed that game so much. And I was like, yeah, I kind of like watching this team play. So if they were on, I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to tune in and watch them, knowing also that they were coming to the league at, at that point, just because I was, I, I was curious. Um, I don't know. Uh, off the field, do you think, I don't know if like I can even answer that question because Texas in particular was so powerful at pulling the strings and so in control of everything for so long. I do think that at least right now, Everybody stands on equal footing because they don't have the options that Texas and Oklahoma have. You know, they can't, um, you know, Texas Tech couldn't just get up in the morning and threaten to leave like Texas could. Um, you know, they they couldn't. I'm not trying to dog Texas Tech because there are 11 other schools that, that couldn't do the same thing. So I don't know if somebody's going to be able to dictate things like that, but I do wonder who the you know, I hate this term, but thought leaders of the conference are going to be and pushing it in a direction. Who are going to be the strongest, you know, off-the-field maneuverers, so to speak? Uh, Yeah, that's not something I've given a lot of thought to Mm -hmm. just because uh, it's kind of nice to not have to feel like you need to worry about that. But, I mean, that's certainly, you know, a power vacuum that uh, somebody or somebody's will occupy. Um, And, you know, as far as that goes, like the politics side of things, I feel like, you know, Mac Rhodes is, is somebody who's obviously very well respected, but I think TCU's leaders, Texas Tech's leaders are, you know, also, you know, very well respected. Uh, Jeremiah Donati, uh, Kirby Hocutt, you know, uh, the presidents as well. Um, I think those three kind of stick out because they're Texas-based schools as well. They've had some success. Um you know, shown flashes of what they can be. You know, Tech feels like they're on the verge of something. They've kind of – they kind of get over that, that probably hump here pretty soon, but it feels like the last couple of years they've been on the, you know, the verge of something with basketball. Then, you know, football now starting to pick up its weight. Um, TCU's obviously had immense success. Baylor's had good amount of success. And, and we know that, you know, Rhodes is heavily involved. We know Donati is heavily involved, Hocut, et cetera. So that's kind of where I look, but I'm I'm Texas-based, so maybe I'm ignoring Oklahoma State's leaders or uh, West Virginia's leadership, and, and I'm not intending to. Um, but, you know, this is still going to be a, a Texas-based conference in so many ways, even though there's a lot of a lot more non-Texas schools now. Um, but, yeah, I'd still figure it would probably roll back around to, to some of those types of guys. Well, Kansas – 
If you look at the biggest individual brand team, Kansas has that with their basketball. Like that's the most. I really, my answer is I don't think yeah, there's going to be a DeLos Dodge. There's not going to be a Joe Castiglione. I think no. it's just going to be, you know, somebody's going to have to rise up and be like that that quote unquote leader. But I think it might kind of rotate off, you know, and that'd probably be the smart way to do it because I, I don't really feel like there is anybody, um, you know, even if they're they're long tenured and and they've been around for forever and ever, like a Gordon Gee, you know, like I mean, I I think that there's kind of a an agreement across the board of no none of us are gonna outdo or step over the other you know Kirby Hoka's not going to become DeLos Dodds or uh you know Mac Rhodes is going to be Joe Joe C uh those guys are unique they had unique power behind them as well and so even if you have somebody that's maybe more of a leader outwardly they don't have the backing that Texas has or that Oklahoma has the cachet. So uh, I think it'd be difficult to kind of separate yourself in that regard anyways, unless you, you know, are commanding a team. Like if it was Denati with TCU and they go and they make the playoff again and then basketball is really, you know, and they start to kind of dominate. That's where you could maybe see somebody potentially merge. If one school clearly stuck, stood out, but I don't think there's anybody right now at the moment financially, uh, viewership or just success wise, it's it's all that different from the others. Yeah, no, I I don't think so either. I mean, obviously they're you know losing two big schools in one gigantic school in Texas as far as like size wise, and they're replacing it with some big schools, including UCF, which is I believe even bigger than Texas right now as far as like humans on the campus uh, goes. So um, you know, I, I like yeah, I just don't. I think that and part of the thing is that they've set it up now to where or they, they at least have been trained over the years of having to, to deal with Texas and, and Oklahoma kind of pulling those strings to where now, at least for the first wave of this, they don't have to do that anymore. They can, they can all be on equal footing and have discussions without, you know, like when the, you know, when the realignment thing came up a few years ago and they had this kind of fake, like, yeah, we're going to take applications and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, Texas and Oklahoma didn't want to do it, so it went nowhere. You know, and Oklahoma's president was the one who was like, oh, yes, we are certainly looking into it. And, you know, we're going to have a committee and we're going to do job interviews. And, you know, everybody's going to send us a video with, uh, you know, what's great about their campus and their setting. And it's going to be great. So send in your care packages to Big 12 realignment committee. We're right here. And then that was pretty much a a waste of everybody's time because it wasn't going to happen at that time because Texas, no, you didn't want it to happen. It was just words. Uh, at the time so yeah I don't think that stuff's really going to happen at least in the short term so I don't know you know look BYU is a gigantic fan base and all that and have tons of influence and they're another religious school and they're a religious school that's a gigantic religion so I would think that they're going to to try to move their weight around as much as they can but I don't think for a minute and maybe I'm naive here that they're going to be like Texas was where they just walk in meeting they're not going to roll in and be (laughs) bossing people around because everybody else will say um who are you and okay you're new here there's a lot of you, but uh, there's one entity ultimately, and there's uh, 13 of us. So, sorry, you're not going to get your way. In the, no, there's, there's no Texas rolling in. There's no Texas remaining. I think there's a lot of schools that are even, and, you know, uh, any idea that any of the four will roll in and be, like, suddenly, you know, grabbing the leash and leading the others behind them I think is ridiculous. Uh, that's that's definitely not where my brain would go. Um, but, you know, it also wouldn't go to, to any of the – the uh, the holdovers, you know, taking that that mantle either. Like I said a few minutes ago, I think it's going to be a combination. And if somebody were to just have some mega amount of success, and maybe they they inch up over, you know, some of their their um, you know uh, 
fellowship. But beyond that, I mean, yeah, that's that's the whole idea behind this new iteration of the conference is that there's no two, you know, or before there was multiple, uh, you know, at the very beginning of the Big 12, big powerhouse power brokers. I mean, that's just is not the case. There's some mid-sized that have potential to grow larger. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's nothing in comparison to, to Texas and Oklahoma that uh, makes you think of the way that things have been. It's, it's a new era for sure. No, absolutely not. All right, we'll take another break right here. When we come back, the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame uh, nominees have been released. Garrett's got a graphic on that. But I got to tell you, I'm really glad I'm not in charge of going through this ballot and picking people because, I mean, first of all, there's, there's a ton of names. But if you had to tell, like, if you had to tell me, like, you can't pick 10 of these guys – and these are the only 10, and the rest of them have to – I don't know. It's it's really hard. This list is tons of huge names on it, and there are every single year, but kind of wanted to go through that. This is 365 Sports. I love sharing stories of our sponsors and their stories about customers. Dr. Rob Maxey, a partner with Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace in Waco, sent me a couple of different stories this year that really stood out. There was a woman who called saying that her insurance was making her go to the hospital for an MRI, and it would cost her $1,600 for the knee MRI with insurance. She called Ideal MRI and was distraught. When they told her the price, she was elated and relieved. She got her exam, the scan, the results for her doctors. So the doctors had it available for the appointment. Her exam was interpreted by a fellowship-trained world-class muscular skeletal radiologist, Her doctor has access to the images online immediately, just like the doctors I have have received images online when I've had an MRI with Ideal MRI. And $497 saved the patient $1,100. That's just one of the stories. There was also a patient that needed an MRI, but her deductible had a $6,000 hit on it. The hospital said they would charge $2,000. She went to MRI, Ideal MRI, cost her $497, saved her nearly $1,500. The insurance is also something they will work on for you. Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace in Waco. Cars priced right, both day and night. Average your car in Texas. Trucks built for you, red, white, and blue. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. 
once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Army, warm. Welcome home. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texas are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome back. College baseball postseason going on on the trip to Omaha. Craig, you got uh, scores we'll update here in a second. Uh, LSU is winning by a billion. They are quite good. And I believe Levi is it there. Is it Dylan Cruz? Is that his name? Dylan Cruz is going to be the first or second pick in the draft. Uh, this year, he had a home run today. He's fantastic. I think it's 12-4 to 4 right now, unless that happened during the break, and I did not see it if they uh, scored again. Um, but I'm I'm less invested in this college fo- baseball postseason than I have been just because FSU's not in it. But TCU's going right now, and uh, and I can't see that score from over here. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, it's been fun to see these games all weekend long. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked much about it, but uh, getting you know these regionals in has been uh, very cool to see. It's always a good time of year. You already had you know most of the teams advance to the supers already, and uh, obviously uh, you know we've seen some some teams advance and uh, some that are in the midst of, and then some that uh, have gone the wayside. You know, uh, as far as the uh, the Big Twelve or really probably any conference for that matter at this point, but. Right now, got uh, middle of the ninth inning. It's thirteen to four, 
LSU over Oregon State. So uh, they're going to go on in advance uh, out of that Baton Rouge regional. Uh, TCU up 6-4 on Arkansas, uh, top of the seventh at the moment. So Frogs looking to advance. And by the way, uh, insult to injury if you're a Baylor baseball fan. How about Trey Richardson, Levi? That was pretty good stuff uh, yesterday. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Former Dog. Baylor baseball player uh, who transferred to TCU this past offseason, uh, which is like, you know, if you're going to go somewhere, like, that's just, that's like, it's going from Oklahoma to Texas. You know, it's like Michigan to Ohio State. It's just not supposed to, to happen. But, I mean, he had himself a, a whale of a day, two grand slams, another home run, ends up with 11 RBI. Uh, in a single game as TCU won, and um, that tied a record set by Baylor catcher Shea Langoliers a few years ago. So the world comes, you know, all the way full circle. Um, you know, he he ties a record that was set by a guy that he, on a team he used to play for, and he's now at their rival. And just any time you get 11 RBI, that's a that's a major deal. So hadn't done that today. But two grand slams and a third home run, that's insane. Uh, but, yeah, TCU up 6-4 right now on Arkansas. Uh, let's see, Southern Miss up 8-7 on Penn as that one heads into the eighth inning. And then a bunch of games, a handful of games to come uh, later on tonight. You have, uh, uh, well, I guess Oregon State LSU is actually in progress. So now they still don't have an update on the scoreboard for some reason. Um, also got Coastal Carolina and Duke. Is that also underway just yet? Uh, I don't think that one okay. started. I think, yeah. That one's probably another 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know about delays at sites and things like that, too. Uh, So you can have Oregon State LSU, which is underway, and LSU's up 13-4. to Is that what we decided on there? Yes. That's pretty small font. Yeah. Uh, So LSU looking good. Got Duke and Coastal Carolina, Indiana versus Kentucky, A&M and Stanford, and, um, yeah, was possibly TCU Arkansas again. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I believe okay. so. Yeah. Uh, and then earlier today you had Texas Tech eliminated uh, as they got uh, taken down by the Florida Gators, 6 to nothing out in Gainesville. So Florida advances to the Super Regionals, whereas uh, Texas Tech will pack it up and, and go home after a great year where they won over uh, 40 games. But, um, yeah, uh, you got Texas advancing. Uh, who else bowed out? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. West Virginia bowed out. Oklahoma State bowed out. Um, am I missing anybody? Um, you said Oklahoma already, right? Yeah, Oklahoma so, lost. Uh, they got beat badly. So, yeah, yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech all eliminated. You got TCU still alive. Texas is advanced. Is that it? Yeah, I that's think it. so. Okay. So, the, the super regionals that are set, Wake Forest, the number one overall seed, will host Alabama. Uh, the Gators will host a fellow conference rival, South Carolina. Virginia is waiting for their opponent, which will be uh, either – um, Carol, Coastal Carolina or Duke, Texas, uh, waiting for either A and M or Stanford, and um, I mean I'm not trying to be a, a you know a homer and, and make my family happy in my Aggie blood that I have here, but man, I would love to see A and M and Texas in a Super. Why, regional. Paul? <laughs> I mean, for exactly no, the reason you just mentioned. <laughs> yeah, no, no offense, no offense to Stanford. You know, good on you if you win, but 
uh, still, that would be pretty awesome to see and fun to see. And then uh, we're, you know, obviously waiting on this LSU game uh, to wrap up as they'll advance, and then they await the winner of Kentucky and Indiana. Or yeah, I should say in the TCU thing where I mentioned them playing tonight, that's if they don't win yeah. uh, right now. They got they already won the first game with the other game because most everybody's like on their third game now. They got delayed uh, weather, so that was just their first game that they were able to against. This is only game two. Yeah, um, Oregon uh, will uh, take on Oral Roberts. And uh, Indiana State uh, waits for the the TCU Arkansas uh, winner, and Tennessee will wait on the Southern Miss and Penn winner. So, yeah, it's uh, been fun. I don't know how many have out there have been watching it, but I've been watching it all weekend, uh, off and on, and uh, it's fun. What was the the, the I, I didn't check out the the feature that ESPN was doing. Was that called their little the squeeze play? Squeeze play. Oh yeah. yeah, I had that on all weekend, dude. I saw you comment on it on like Friday <laughs> or something, elite. and I yeah, I wanted to follow up on that. But um, what exactly? That was just a scan around. So to it's like it's be able to right watch here. everything. Yeah, right. It's kind of like the red zone with the NFL. They'll show it's a like squeeze play right yeah. at the top left. I didn't notice that. <laughs> no, they'll, they'll show up to like six games at a time, and then you'll have where they'll put the sound on to one game, but you it's a great way to keep track of everything, man. I saw people raving over it, and I guess I passed through it a couple times and just didn't realize what I was watching. But, uh, yeah, very NFL red zone-ish um, to be able to yep. see everything that's going on. So I can imagine if you're a college baseball fan, you're in hog heaven over the last – know two three days with uh, all that's been going on it's it's fun man it's doesn't get a lot of regular season play in most places um and doesn't really get a lot of postseason play in a lot of places nope. but uh you know when when it does roll around i like it i think uh, the road to omaha and then eventually when they get there here soon is, is a lot of fun and it just sucks if your team's not involved because you know if you didn't i mean a lot of people whose teams aren't involved, they just don't even notice. But the fact that I've watched so much of it, you do feel a little envious. You're like, dang, it'd be cool if the team I root for was was involved in this thing because uh, it's high stakes and a lot of fun. It It's very cool until, you know, they inevitably get to Omaha and rip mm-hmm. your guts out and stomp on your dreams. Yep. Just, you know, just how it is, you know. Sometimes there's joy in the world and other times there's nothing but an epic pit of sadness. So... One day they'll, as, they'll as, win a title. Paul. As you can tell, I'm very scarred from it. No, it is a great event. I'm die- like I would love to go to the College World Series one year, regardless of who is in it. You know, yeah. honestly, like just to see any of the eight teams that make it. Like, you know, I'm I'm in. I, I'd love mm-hmm. to go and experience it. I'm sure it's on Levi's bucket list as well to to go up to Omaha there and um and, and see that. Yeah, it's it's a great event, and I do think like and again, baseball's gone through a bit of transition in the the way that the American public feels about it. I mean, if we did a survey in this room right now of who the big baseball fans are, I mean, you know, me and Levi, I'm, I'm, you know, our, our big baseball fans, Greg, I know you, Craig, I know you're, you're a baseball fan. Um, maybe not to the like major league baseball level that I am. I don't know. You're a Rangers fan, but we're baseball fans. Garrett, where do you stand on it? Um, I typically don't watch, okay. uh, but I've been so locked in this weekend to this yeah. uh, that I even turned off the NBA Finals. Like, I tried watching the NBA Finals last night and got bored with it, went back to squeeze play. So, if it was like this all year long, I would be a diehard baseball fan. Okay. Uh, Jack doesn't care for baseball, really. Uh, Emery, where are you on this? Uh, I, like the, I like the college baseball playoffs. Okay. He likes the playoffs. So, it's kind of like the World Cup for, for Garrett. And yep. Graham, are you a baseball guy or no? Yeah, see, that's where it is. So it, it does, like, when you're trying to sell it to te- television executives, yes. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll put on a Major League Baseball game on a Friday night, or we'll, this is valuable. But I do think that there's a bit of a missed opportunity most nights in 
uh, most weekend nights, like a Friday or Saturday night in the major conferences to like really highlight it. And it, it can just be a game of the week. I think that the, that the sports broadcasters should do in that, you know, if Vanderbilt's playing Florida, I mean, that's a damn good matchup <laughs> year in and year out. Those are two really good teams. You should highlight the fact that, you know, probably on Saturday night, the two pitchers that are facing each off against each other are going to be high picks in the Major League Baseball draft. But, again, the Major League Baseball draft isn't that big of a deal because, you know, oh, my guy, my team drafted this guy. I'll see him in six years, you know, maybe. <laughs> so you're never – it's harder to follow. So I think that's probably – why there's not as much buzz about it, but it's a great event every summer. It's a great event. It's fantastic. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I I don't know the reasons why. I mean, I don't know how much of an audience there is for it. I I don't know what the ratings are like for it. I don't know what the ratings would be like some Friday night showcase. But uh, when it rolls around here this time of year, it's it's a, a lot of fun to watch. And uh, like I said, high stakes, a lot of drama. Uh, TCU uh, just added a run a couple minutes ago, so they're looking good to to potentially move on here against uh, Arkansas. But, yeah, it's uh, always a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Also, uh, Craig, uh, Baylor lost a recruit today in football. Yeah, they uh, just a little while ago found out that uh, DeSoto linebacker Brandon Booker has uh, decommitted, as you can see right there on your screens, and they had just picked up – uh, Graydon Grimes last week, uh, so now they gain one, they lose one, and uh, they are back down to what I think that would give them like five commits uh, on the uh, 2020 or in the 2024 class. Has offers from Arkansas and Auburn and Colorado and FSU, so you know put all that together and the other offers that he has as well, and um, it's not hard to, to figure out like he wants to explore options or whatever the case may be, or fancy somewhere else or NIL money or relationship whatever you want to point to it doesn't really matter it all results in the same thing where Baylor loses a a big time uh, recruit out of their class so uh, you know a top 100 ish type of guy in the state and uh, obviously a pretty good offer list so that's a that's a tough one and uh, that sinks their class down to where it's now like and I don't pay attention with every single subtraction and addition on where the ranking is like I I just that'd be pointless uh, to worry about that constantly Uh, but as far as you know the end of the year where they wind up, they're going to go up just simply based on numbers. But the problem is so is everybody else around them. So, you know, where are they going to shoot up to get into top 40-ish, 30-ish, uh, where they probably should be on a regular basis? I mean, I think that's probably one of your concerns right now is, is how do they get some momentum in recruiting because that hasn't really carried over all that well. You had big success two years ago, probably parlayed some of that into some some good gets. They've obviously hit the transfer portal very hard, so maybe that's just a route that, that – takes up some of the slack from not recruiting at a super high level high school wise but I do have my my wonders right now on just sort of the momentum or lack thereof and buzz or lack thereof and just sort of where they are in the landscape they they really need to win some games next year and and can't ill afford to have another six and seven type of season like we saw last year especially with how that was just a a slog at times to get through um, for everybody involved so uh, not good not you know, a major shocker because they typically lose a handful of guys to decommits along the way. Uh, but, you know, when it's a small class, it's even more noticeable. When you have a guy from DeSoto, you know, that's that's notable. And you've had some guys from there of late, but, you know, you're not going to have this one most likely unless he somehow circles back. So tough loss, and uh, he's got some big contenders that, uh, you know, are going to give him plenty of options. But, yeah, not, not fun for Baylor fans, which, you know, is uh, – it's kind of a 
kind of feels like something needs to break their way somehow, but I don't really think that can happen until you get into football season. Because yeah. what, what would that be? I mean, if it's another big, if it's a big recruit, it's like okay, great. But then you're, you've got PTSD, shell shock, whatever from like this, for example, uh, from the quarterback situation last year. You kind of know now, like, hey, commits are fun, but they're also, you know, here one day, gone the next. So. Uh, they they need to to get some stability in that regard, but it's recruiting, so that's part of the deal. Yeah, I I wonder because I don't think, and I think this is an issue that they have is that Dave Aranda's found his sea legs in this just yet on how to build the roster, the way that you have to build a roster now. I don't think he needs to go like full, you know, Lane Kiffin and being a portal king, but I do think that they have not used it enough, and maybe. They've tried and failed a little bit, but I, but I think especially coming off of the Sugar Bowl win, they they squandered their juice that they had for that year because usually when you have a big season, it's not because of when that ends and when you've already signed people, especially now. So the year Baylor won the Sugar Bowl, most of their recruits were signed in December. So it's not like you can carry that into February to have this big class where people are excited about joining you. It is the next year following the Sugar Bowl or those those big bowl wins where you get that wave of a class that's like, holy cow, that's going to be the case for TCU, really. Their best recruiting class will not be 2023 because by the time the season was over, it was already signed. Their best one will probably be 2024 because now you've got the juice off of like, hey, we just won. You're going to camps, all these different things. Nothing's happened, you know, yet in the other season. So that's where it is. Baylor wasted that year that they had. Uh, not intentionally, but that just wound up happening of getting that excitement and juice build up and everybody coming in to see, you know, what's going on at Baylor. They, you know, by going six and seven last year, that kind of popped their balloon. Um, somewhat. I mean, I think it would have been fine if you didn't lose your quarterback on national signing day. Yeah. I mean, I think that really, you know, put a dent in things and kind of a feeling around everything. I think if Austin Novosad had signed as expected, then you celebrate that day and you're probably fine for where you end. But, um. Yeah. I mean, since then, that followed up with a six and seven. So, I mean, what are you pointing to? The Big Twelve title two years ago. Yeah. Well, that's kind of dated at this point. Um, K State's already won one since then. TCU's already been in the playoffs since then. So you you had some heat. You used it to some extent, but probably not as well as you could have. I mean, we'll we'll see how last year's class ends up shaping up. Maybe they got more bang for their buck than they realized. But as far as just like right now in twenty twenty four recruiting and just kind of moving forward um you know they're not going to be the program that's out there super flashy and you know in your face on social media and all those things but i mean they can't also just be sitting on their hands either and i feel like they're kind of in a weird spot in the in the in the middle uh it's just i don't know i don't know how to describe it there's not a lot of a lot of juice flowing right now, and I guess the only way to really solve that is to go win some football games. So that that can't come soon enough in my mind. You go beat Utah in week two, and we won't be talking about any of that. We'll be talking about how great everything is again. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and yeah, they, um, you know, I think that they, you know, I think we all thought you know, there might be a little bit of a dip off the Sugar Bowl season, but last year was kind of a surprise to most people about how they followed up that that win, especially. You know, it wasn't even about Blake Shapin in the skill position. Like, I thought even if that was exactly how it was, if the defense still had that attitude that it had and the ability to, you know, bully people around, then, yeah, they could have taken some of Blake Shapin's growing pains. But because the defense took a step back in Congress with the offense, then they had problems.
You know, if the defense was still the same bunch of dudes who were just going to put a hurting on you and physically maul you, and I'll point to that BYU game. BYU was a really good team in 2021. They were a really good team. Uh, they had some of the best players they've had in a long time, collectively on the roster, all at the same time. And they came into Waco, and Baylor physically beat them down. And what was a, a pretty well-contested game, but the difference in that game was that Baylor physically beat them down on both sides of the ball, and that didn't happen for the most part in 2022, and that's the thing that shocked me the most. If the defense had been able to keep up that attitude that Dave Aranda wanted um, and had in 2021, then yeah, they're probably in contention for the Big 12 title because in spite of you know Blake Shapin and the skill players and all this, because yeah, you, you can win games on defense, but they... They couldn't pick what they were going to do whichever week, um, week to you know week to week, and that's why you know they they kind of plummeted into their mediocrity last year. So. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean they, they were not very good on either side of the ball a year ago, and that happens when you lose a record number of draft picks yeah. and you don't just uh, replace Jalen Petrie and you know six other guys who are all longtime starting defensive players with you know dozens of games under their belt. I mean, there was some. Some fall off to be expected, but I just don't think that they expected the offense to be as just vanilla and middle of the road as it kind of ended up being, um, you know, a large part due to just inexperience, but also just not terrific quarterback play. So I think uh, just been kind of mediocre in that regard here the last two, three years. And they've had other areas of strength. I don't know what their strength is, though, coming up this year. What is it? It's not some great defense again on paper. It's not. Uh, they have even less return than they did last year, um, I believe. The running back room, maybe. The running back room could be your strength, but, I mean, if you can't throw the ball with yeah. worth a you-know-what, then, I mean, that only lasts for so long uh, before people catch on to that. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I've been saying they, they have a, a lack of star power, which is fine. You don't necessarily have to have stars and faces, but um, there's a lot of questions around them. And, you know, following six and seven, there's no hot seat right now. Like, I think it's ridiculous. If anybody's even bringing that up with Dave Aranda, I think that's silly. Now, if we get into next season, like, we're like halfway through and you're talking about them being like two and four, then maybe you start the conversation. But I think it's too early for that, though. I do think that you follow up six and seven with like seven and six. That's not going to fly uh, for a lot of people. And you're going to be really struggling to – to garner the type of support and kind of backing that you're that you're really hoping for, and that would be a real shame. Two years less removed from you know being at the the zenith of the program in so many ways. So yeah, it's it's a big year coming up for them without a doubt. Yeah, twenty twenty one and was of their three conference titles or Big Twelve titles was their was their most complete season ever. You know, and best is probably in the eye of the beholder, you know. Um, I mean, I think it's the best, but. I mean, it's the most games they've ever won. Yeah, it's, they won the Sugar Bowl. They won the Big 12. Like, I, I don't. What what season was better than that? Yeah. No, there, there wasn't, wasn't one. one. There yeah. was no season better than that. So, yeah, it was there. You can argue it if you want to, but on paper, the facts are the facts. That's the most games they've ever won. And then you add in the Sugar Bowl and the Big 12 title and the way they won that Big 12 title and then to go beat up Ole Miss the way that they did. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun ride, and, and uh, that seems very long ago, longer than, than two years ago, that's for sure. So see if they can uh, rekindle some of that, that magic. But, uh, again, just a very interesting year upcoming for them because there's a lot of unknowns, uh, and, you know, maybe that's addressed by the transfer portal. It's hard to gauge that right now uh, of how exactly 10 new guys are going to step in and impact you right away. So maybe that's that's the answer. But obviously, we can't know that until we see them actually roll out there, which is uh, still a bit of a, a ways away. So we wait and wonder and 
ponder what all that's going to look like here uh, for a little while longer. Yeah, Paxton asked, um, was Baylor versus Air Force the coldest game that we've been to? And I will say personally, yes, by a long shot. Yeah, without a doubt it was. Um, that was just a – I mean, it was great for Air Force, but I think everybody else involved could have done without that entire day. I mean, just the, the whole scene. And But, I mean, hey, for the people in Fort Worth, I praise – the job that they did and the hospitality and everything, given the circumstances, uh, we were set up very nicely. It's just that the weather made the game miserable, made the enjoyment of you know fans miserable, made walking anywhere outside you know miserable. But you know that's part of the deal, and um, I, you know I, I felt like they they did the best they could with the the hand they were dealt. Baylor did it as a team, they did it, but there was a lot going on. You know they had guys. In and out, it's just it, it was time for it to end, and it ended in a very fitting way, I think. Where it's like, let's how does this brutally ugly season in so many ways end? It ends with a brutally ugly game, and it's probably the ugliest way imaginable on your arch rival's field. For, yeah. I mean, for and that's the thing is like they got announced to go to TCU Stadium to play. Like, how do you get excited for that to begin with? Like, how do you even get up for yeah. like any other? Oh, hey, we're going to Phoenix. Cool. It's December. It's it's warm in Phoenix compared to where most people are coming from. But when you're an hour and a half away, and you've played there every other year, like, it's just not exciting even, in any way, shape, or form. Even if it wasn't a rival. It shouldn't be a Big 12 yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. It, like, unless, you know, or at least it shouldn't be a Texas Big 12 game because it's just not rewarding. It's not rewarding in really any way for for a Big 12 team to go to Fort Worth and play that game. And I would say the same thing if there was a bowl game in Austin at DKR that they got invited to or yeah. Norman for, you know, what I, I would say the same thing. It's just, it's if it's, you know, um, just Southern Miss versus North Texas, like, cool. But you play there. It's a conference stadium, and it's your arch rival. So it's just, it was not fun to begin with. That was just a bad draw and kind of uh, – set the stage for for the way that it went. Yeah, I okay, and it was it was one of those things where I got so cold going in that even once we were inside in the heat, I never got warm again. Like I never once got warm again. Like until I got to my hotel that night, I did not get warm again. I was just cold. My hands were cold the whole time, and I can tell you, I don't know how walruses do it. I've been building up for the cold winter for a while now and that was, you know, this lies from the Nature Channel. I'll tell you right now, uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it was it was miserable all the way around. Uh, and yeah, you shouldn't. I don't know if you're gonna go play a Texas Bowl game that's in in DFW that's not the Cotton Bowl, then they should at least switch with S. Like SMU should get the Big Twelve game, and the other one should be in Fort Worth. I mean, so at least it's somewhere you're not every other year. And even if Baylor and TCU weren't bitter rivals, like you said, it would just be boring. You know, mm-hmm. if they were go- like, if they went to go play, look, Iowa State and Baylor are just conference rivals and it's gotten a little heated, but Iowa State wouldn't love playing a bowl game in Waco and, and vice versa. Right. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just really strange. And that, but that's, that's the, the cards you, you're dealt when you go six and six in the regular season. When we come back, we'll dive into that ballot from the College Football Hall of Fame. And update any other scores in the uh, College World Series um, playoff here on 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, has a full-service butcher shop and a full-service bakery. And in between, based on the aisles that you walk in the front door, you might have one aisle that has a bunch of pasta, 
one aisle that has a bunch of seasonings and sauces, one aisle that, well, what you need when it comes to even like canned food. And then off to the side, when you walk through the front door, there's a a refrigerator that has wine and beer, soft drinks, energy drinks. In the back, there's the butcher shop. To the left of that, there's a lobster tank. And oh, yes, the butcher shop with seafood, pork, poultry, and a gorgeous variety of beef. Whatever steaks you want. And then the bakery with sweets and treats and what you want for your sweet tooth. Great service, great customer service. And you can shop there for whatever you need for one night or for the weekend. It's Waco Custom Marketplace, the Bauer family. 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Don's Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year aging room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or chief sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel & Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel & Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel & Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at pioneersboys.com. 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store and more. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Welcome back, 365 Sports. A quick score update. TCU, it's 11-4 right now. Uh, after Trey Richardson, we just talked about him, had a monster game yesterday, hit another home run, formerly of Baylor. I know, like, the fa- like if you could make the fan transfer rule and the ultimate compromise, be like, look, you can transfer everywhere you want, but every school gets to pick one rival school you can't go to. So if you go to Texas, you can't go to Oklahoma. You can transfer anywhere else but that one. As opposed to wide open. But then that's a slippery slope. Because that was where, if you made the fan rule, like, look, if you're going to transfer, fine leave, but don't please don't go to TCU if you're at Baylor. That's how it would be. But, you know, wide open now. It is weird to me that, like, people transfer within rivalries. You know, people transfer from Georgia, like, Alabama to Georgia, Georgia, Alabama, and they play it against each other. And, like, I hate you. Now I'm wearing your – it's just so weird in college athletics. It's not really in the not pros. It's not that weird, though. It's not – because it's not in the pros, really. No, but. it's because they, they're not thinking like us. Yeah. 20-year-old kids yeah. not thinking about, well, those dang dogs and my 30-year hatred. Like, yeah. they're not the, – the, the, those coaches recruited them, too. They played against those dudes that competed with them in camps. And, like, you know, I mean, all that's familiar to them. So I, I just think that we – we probably view it like that, but I don't think that the players themselves really view it all that much. Like maybe some of them do to to uh, some extent. Like just you know, I'm an Aggie. I would never be a Longhorn. I mean, I'm sure there's something something along those lines. But yeah, for like Trey Richardson, I mean, I don't know why he outside of just going to Baylor, which I don't even know what led him there to begin with, what would make him hate TCU. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, it's worked out well for him. I think they just had another home run. So yeah, TCU is well on their way to uh, to advancing. It, it appears um, knocking out the overall yeah, three seed, blowing Arkansas. it open against Arkansas. So yeah. yeah, that'll be good for the Frogs and a, a pretty great athletic year for them so far. Yeah, or, uh, and here we are at the end of it. So so far, I mean, all the way almost to the end. Now they've had a, a remarkable year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, college football Hall of Fame class, uh, Garrett. These are um, some, just some of them. Uh, Eric Bieniemy. Jerome Brown, Warwick Dunn, Larry Fitzgerald, Garrison Hurst, Josh Heupel, Antonio Langham. People forget about him. He was just lethal at Alabama. He was amazing. Uh, Todd Light from Notre Dame. Kellen Moore, uh, current Chargers offensive coordinator, Boise State, who I believe when he left college was the all-time winningest 
quarterback as far as wins go uh, at Boise State. Michael Orr, uh, famously of the blind side. Alex Smith from Utah, first pick in the draft. And Michael Vick, all uh, college football Hall of Fame nominees. And and that's just that fit on that graphic you put on the tweet. He did mention guys like uh, Justin Blackman's on, on the ballot. Um, Mark Carrier. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I know what happened to him initially. I just, it's been, I probably haven't checked in on Justin Blackman in a couple of years just to see where he kind of found his way after all of the uh, the substance abuse and NFL failure and and all of that occurred. Uh, that ugliness with the uh, the Jaguars there a few years back. Um, yeah, I'm just talking here. Yeah, I'm right yeah. Uh, let's see. Dallas Clark, Marco Coleman, Tim Couch, Brad Culpepper, uh, who is a, a big-time um, uh, lawyer, actually, now in, in Tampa. He's got – like, you drive around Tampa, and you see, like, have you been injured in an accident? Call Brad Culpepper. You know, we got you. Uh, big-time lawyer in Tampa right now. Uh, Kenneth Davis of Temple High School, right here in our backyard in TCU, played for the Buffalo Bills uh, for a long time. He was one of the last guys. You had the the four-bar, the two, like, you know, the four-corner, like, quadrant face mask, like, bar and bar. I'm blocking the Mac here and here, like that. Like, he was one of those guys. We've had him on the show a bunch of times. Kenneth Davis is on the ballot. Um, uh, Justin Blackman was in OSU's 2023 Hall of Honor class just okay. about uh, two months ago. So, yeah, good for him. Hopefully he's cleaned up. Clearly, I, I would think if he's being honored, then he's he has to some degree. But, yeah, his, his entry into the NFL was a bit of a mess. And, uh, you know, people have demons, man. Hopefully he was able to conquer his. I just – comment because I, I hadn't heard about him in a, in a long time so yep uh, also on the ballot ken dorsey uh, who is the quarterback of the probably greatest team ever assembled in 2001 miami i uh, left the school as the most talented i mean i think that's the one that you can't really argue all that much i mean i'm sure somebody will jump in with burrow and lsu's you know no, squad. they're not messing with that no but you know like mean, somebody will yeah. there will be names that are brought up but I, I think you know if you want to argue best then okay 95 nebraska and you know this team and that team but if you're talking most talented i think it's oh one miami and i don't know how much of an argument there really is yeah i mean they're just it, it's ridiculous when you look at the guys who were freshmen on the team that were you know, playing 15 snaps at best if they were really good and special teams, you're like, oh, that guy was just running down kickoffs and couldn't get on the field. Like, yeah. that's how good that team was. Um, let's see. We mentioned Warwick Dunn. Let's see. Fitzgerald. Willie Galt uh, from Tennessee, 1982, first-team All-American. Uh, absolutely blazing, blazing fast. Played for the the Bears and the Raiders uh, in the NFL. Uh, how about this blast from the past? Toby Gerhardt from Stanford. Uh, big running back. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Heisman winner, right? Uh, Runner-up. Runner-up. Yeah, runner-up. Runner up, that's right. Runner-up in 2009. Uh, Dan, right, yeah. Dan Hampton from Arkansas. Kevin Hardy from Illinois. Graham Harrell is on the ballot, Craig. So, current... Purdue offensive coordinator, but Texas Tech legend. Yeah, I don't know him at all. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know him at all. I wouldn't dap him up if I saw him. Like, he wouldn't know who I was. I mean, I know his wife yeah. um, from growing up, and uh, she was one of my sister's best friends. So that's the only connection that doesn't give me any insight or anything yeah. like that. To be clear, um, but yeah, good for him. Uh, you know, it's good for her. I'm happy for 
for him. Yeah. But, I mean, these are just the, the ballot, so it still has yeah. to be voted on. Got a um, chance by being on the ballot. Yeah. So, yeah, if he gets that, then I'd be thrilled for, for her and, the, and that family. Marvin Harrison from Syracuse, um, one of the greatest NFL wide receivers. And, but, look, he, honestly, he's, he's maybe in the – I would say he's in the top five of Syracuse football players of all time. And look, they have Jim Brown and Ernie Davis uh, as well, Don and, and McNabb. Don McNabb. But like, he's in the top five of that uh, of that university for sure. Uh, Josh Heupel um, from Oklahoma, uh, who won the national championship in two thousand. We'll just keep going. I don't know about college football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, he had a really good year. They won the title. He had a big part in that. Um, Won the Walter Camp Award, Heisman Trophy yeah. runner-up. It was very brief as yes. all, just in my head. It's very short. But, hey, if you accomplish a lot in a short amount of time, you still accomplish a lot, I yeah. guess. so. Yeah. The, the late uh, Ironhead Hayward uh, from Pitt uh, it's, is on the list. Michael Huff, uh, 05 Texas, one of their best defensive players. Steve Hutchinson from Michigan. Brady James, uh, who we used to have on the show uh, quite a bit back when he was with the Cowboys from LSU. Uh, LaVon Kirkland. James Laurinaitis, Ryan Leaf uh, is on this on this ballot. So a lot of good names: Marshawn Lynch, Herman Moore, Terrence Newman, another guy we used to have on the show quite a bit. Ken Norton Jr., Holodi Nada. So yeah, Julius Peppers. There's lots. I mean, I can keep going and going. There's and like going. 80 names. I mean, yeah, there, I there really is like 78 names. So yeah, we're we yeah. Can, I could keep going. It's just there's uh, 70. I don't know how what the final you know tally of of who actually gets in is. I didn't see that. I was looking for. What, you know, I don't know if there's like a 10-man class rule or something like that, but no, there's like 80 candidates, so. Peter, and I'll I'll end it on the players with this one, Peter Warwick, so. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are are others, uh, many others. Uh, A lot of good names. Yeah, and the coaches, I'm curious about uh, some of these. Larry Coker, 01 Miami coach, um, did not, here's what I wonder about Larry Coker. I'm curious if there's any Miami fans in the chat. Larry Coker took over for Butch Davis after he left to go to the NFL and was obviously part of building that 01 Miami team, but Butch Davis did most of that. So is Larry Coker a Hall of Famer because he coached that team? I, mean, that's why I, yeah. I, I guess maybe. I mean, there's there's some consideration for it. I mean, that wasn't the only thing that he did. I mean, he yeah. was around for a pretty long time in a lot of places. So, um, yeah, but, I mean, that, that definitely, when you coach the arguably greatest team of all time, then uh, no matter how that was done, I think that you get some, some you know, part of that uh, that praise and consideration well, for it. And the coach and the quarterback of that team are, are both on the ballot together with what we mentioned Ken Dorsey yeah. earlier. Ralph Regan from Maryland, two-time ACC Coach of the Year. Mark D'Antonio, all-time winning as coach in Michigan State history. Uh, Frank Solich is on the list uh, as well. Nebraska, and then, and then 16 seasons at Ohio. And uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville on the list. Um, that one, um, you know, SEC title, 13-0 season uh, at Auburn. Other than that, I don't know what makes him a Hall of Famer. He was a, an okay coach, but he definitely won't be a Hall of Fame politician. I know that <laughs> no. that much is very. Uh, I feel very strongly about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if he'll be a Hall of Fame college football guy either. Um, but yeah, that's that's a, a very thorough and uh, star-studded list. So uh, be interested to see you know how that's whittled down and. You know, it's hard to differentiate guys' pro careers from their college careers, too, which uh, you, can, you have to do that because it's the College Football Hall of Fame, not the NFL. You know, what you did in the NFL to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So uh, I'm sure that'll 
come into play and maybe make it a little bit different than you would think. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, GMAC uh, says that 0-1 team would have won whoever the coach was. Coker helped build the team, but shouldn't get full credit. Yeah, I know. He definitely doesn't deserve full credit, but, I mean, if you're looking at his resume, yeah. then that's on there, you know, for, for better or worse. But, yeah, I don't I don't know that he's a college football Hall of Famer, especially not based off of that alone, no. No, I mean, and he, he helped launch the UTSA program. He was the first mm-hmm. coach uh, in their history and now is now retired and um, was well thought of as an assistant coach for a very long time before he, he took over that Miami team. And the, and the reason it was him was they really just needed to – you know, Butch Davis leaving was going to rock the boat quite a bit. They needed to make sure that they kept, you know, the 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 arrow pointed up and didn't didn't upset the apple cart because holy cow, that 0-1 Miami team. Um, I got to see them play in person one time uh, in a torrential downpour uh, in Tallahassee, and I'd seen them in, ta- in in 2000, which is most of the same team. But the 0-1 team had just taken a step forward and had this wave of new guys that had stepped up. And then that was also Sean Taylor's uh, pinnacle of his college career. And he is, of football players I've seen in person, top four like in college, like just unbelievable in the way he controlled a game. Uh, yeah, he's my best that never was. Um, mm-hmm. He's the number one on the list of players I wish I could have seen how their career would have played. I don't know. That's I, I, that's weird to say because I don't even know there's a list like that because, I mean, what happened to him was so, you know, unforeseen and tragic and, you know, it doesn't happen very often, thank God. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like if you think about the best that never was, for whatever reason that may be, guys got in trouble, guys just didn't take advantage of their talent, uh, you know, got guys hurt. Tragi- yeah, got hurt, got tragically killed in Sean Taylor's case. Like, he's definitely near the top for me, if that's the right top of, like, gosh, I wonder if things had gone different, like how it would have worked out for that guy, because he was – I don't. we haven't seen anybody like him since then. I mean, just – the, the total, not just like big hard hitting safety or big fast guy or what, like the total package that he was, the way he was, exactly. Like that, that was just a different dude. And I haven't been excited about a Washington pick like that since then. Um, that was, that was, I mean, that, that really took a lot of my just the fun out of it for me was, was his death. Um, you know, as far as the Redskins uh, went back then, that really was a, uh, a sad, sad deal that. Yeah, still not. I hadn't thought about it in a really long time. It makes yeah. me sad thinking about it right now. It's just a sad situation. Yeah, and, and that's a position that um, in football, just in general, if you look at teams around the league, a lot of them try to, you know, we're, we'll, this is where we're going to save money. You know, we'll have a, a guys who can kind of, you know, hang with what we're spending money on corner and safety will be where we're kind of. Sean Taylor was one that you just said, okay, this is the defense. It's built around this guy. He can do every single thing that we ask him to do. He's going to do things that we don't like. Things are going to happen because he is an athlete above almost everybody else in the field. In, in When he is on the field, there might be another guy on your team that's as good of an overall athlete as him. There might be. In the NFL, where that's the top 1% of the top 1%. Like, he was that good, and as good or better at his position than you were going to be at yours. And there are only a few guys who can really, really say that. He was so, man. And, like, the, I just have this picture in my head, again, of that game I was at. He hit, God, what was the receiver's name? I think it was Robert Morgan. Robert Morgan, so hard, and he hit the ground in the rain and like didn't stop moving for like 17 yards in the water just hit him with that much force and i thought 
at that point, if I'm Robert Morgan, I'd be like, listen, Bobby, I'm not going back in. Did you see what just happened to me? Did you just see that? Like they, like we are driving Volkswagens and they have freaking tanks out there. Like that's what's going on. And that's because of Sean Taylor. Like I don't, that was one guy on that team, that one guy. And they had tons of other ones that were, that were elite as well. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back, dive into the chat room a little bit more. This is 365 Sports. It's the Memorial Day sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. You can now get 10% off MSRP on 2023 Ram 1500 Crew Cab Lone Stars and Laramies or 2.9% for 72 months. That's right. Hurry in. Offer ends May 31st. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. 
Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Welcome back, 365 Sports. TCU's gone final, 12-4, to and they're moving on. And good for Kirk Sarloos keeping that program going after Jim Schlossnagel, who built it to what it was, um, left and went to Texas A&M. Now, Jim Schlossnagel's still uh, in the mix. They've got to play Stanford tonight, uh, and the winner of that, uh, that will advance. But And A&M's played really well. Uh, down the stretch, they 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 really made noise in the SEC tournament. So we'll see how they finish up uh, in Palo Alto tonight because that's where they are. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, especially and that that's kind of another credit to TCU's athletic department of usually you know a school that's TCU's size loses a coach that's been there as long as Jim Schlossnagel. It takes them a minute to reestablish who they are, and Kirk Sarlos hit the ground running. Well, um, yeah, familiarity. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it's not like they were making some massive no, changeover. I mean, it was a really good coach already there and kind of knows what's what. And um, But, yeah, I mean, credit to them. I think uh, I praised them quite a bit earlier uh, in the run that they're on as an athletic department. And, you know, keep it up. And, and maybe they're one of those that's, you know, a heavy hitter in the, the whatever the Big 12 looks like in the future. Uh, but right now, for sure, they are they're helping uh, carry a lot of the weight um, in – all the top sports. So yeah, they move on and they'll join Texas and, you know, Texas is still a big 12 team until they're not. So they've got this Omaha and, or this potential trip to Omaha and then another one next year uh, before this doesn't count anymore. So yeah, I mean, for, for the big 12, they've got a couple schools that are uh, moving on, which is, you know, uh, just something to make note of. And we'll see how that compares to the rest of the conferences, SEC and ACC and everybody else when the dust finally settles uh, later on tonight. But uh, good for the, the Frogs and an impressive win over uh, Arkansas. That's a bummer for, for the Razorbacks fans out there. So, yeah, good one for, for Sarloos. All right, got a text from Martin Craig on your uh, on our discussion about TCU and Kaz Kazadi. And this is what he said. Um um, you have to ask yourself what changed for Sonny Dykes last year. It wasn't cause because he'd been with Sonny for a few years now. Sonny had earned the reputation uh, of the Sonny swoon during the last four or five years. Now they have Kendall Bryles in Fort Worth promising to apparently speed up the offense. When you want to play up-tempo, you have to practice up-tempo, but the volume of that up-tempo practice has to be adapted to prevent more muscle damage and more injuries. And Martin uh, has written a book about this, by the way, so he – he, he knows of which he speaks. If TCU isn't careful, they could easily end up being a 500 team next year. It only takes one guy on the scaff to screw up a team. It'll be interesting to see if TCU is up to the challenge or if they fall back into mediocrity. Remember, college football is in a time of great transition when it comes to player physiology, and the teams that embrace the transition will win, while the others are going to be mired in underachievement. Okay. Um, appreciate that. Um yeah, I wasn't trying to to pinpoint him or make it sound like he was like this a sole reason, but he's he's one of a combination of reasons and and I was comparing it to what we mm-hmm. thought that Baylor could have turned into mm-hmm. and a big part of why they had their success was Kaz Kazadi. And that's not me saying it. That's the literally the players and the coaches that were playing coaching back then. They said that. They said that over and over and over again. There's still players that swear by him as just a light a figure in their lives. Ten yeah. years after the fact. I mean, still today, it didn't play since 2012. They're still causes like their their leader. Um, but as far as the, so like yeah, I'm not I'm not placing all of the the success on his shoulders. But I do think having that guy is uh is a you know pretty good 
uh, part of a combination to success. And as far as the rest of it goes, those things you mentioned, nobody knows more about it than he does. Mm-hmm. Like he's been he's been on that level. He he was the Baylor off. I mean, the Baylor offenses years ago ran more plays than anybody. They were on the field, you know, two seconds and out of there. He was the guiding force behind all that. He was the one that was working on that with all of them. So TCU can go faster. That's the guy to let you go faster. Like that's that's not going to be a thing where like they do that and now all of a sudden he's out of his. No, that's his element is to do that. So that plays into their hands, not not out of their hands. That's exactly why he's with Sonny Dykes and has been with him for these last few years is because Sonny's an up tempo. Let's go all over the field guy, and that complements. Uh, cause really well. I mean, like, really, if you look at it, swap Art Browse and Sonny Dykes, and you, that's what I was kind of talking about, was, like, that's what it would have looked like, is you have Kendall, and you have Kaz, and you have now an era where, instead of your receivers being dogged because they don't know the whole route tree and the transition to the NFL because they're not really running those offenses, well, now they are running those offenses. Now those guys are prime for the NFL, whereas a few years ago, they weren't necessarily, you know, great fits compared to other styles of offenses, so that actually works in their favor. There's now NIL now. So rather than, hey, you lose Corey Coleman, and granted, browsing them, they recruited receivers really well, so it's not the best example. But if you like, can you imagine them with their offensive success and what they were just scratching the surface of, but now that offense actually has NFL backing, and there's the transfer portal, and yeah. you were winning like 10 games a year. You were about to just hit that like probably every – you know, three years, twice out of those three, you're going to win double-digit games the way that it was setting up. So that's that's what I was getting at. Um, and so he deserves a sliver of that credit. But, yeah, I mean, that that plays into his hands, not out of his hands. And that's why I think that's, that's something to watch is you've got all of the elements of kind of what we saw building a few years ago and was starting to be really successful. But now it's got even more benefits than it had before. And there's no unforeseen freaking cataclysmic – comet coming down from the sky to to blow it all up and you know turn it into smithereens so that's why I, I was saying what i was saying is that i think if you're tcu you might just be scratching the surface of something that's about to really kick into another high gear mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future if all the the pieces can can stick together and you know be at their best and um there's no reason to believe why why they can't and then you take in hey oklahoma and texas aren't even in your way now like you, it, and even if they were, you've got a playoff win. Not just a berth, but a win to talk yeah. about. Like You have all of these other things that you didn't have compared to my original example, all brought up to, to modern times as well. And that's why I, I, I said what I said is, is let's see how that, how that goes because it could really be something cooking uh, up in Fort Worth. Yeah, we'll see. The, the only thing, and I, I think this has just been adapted to modern times, that if – if it was, you know, if, if the cataclysmic comet wasn't coming, you know, for Baylor like it did, the thing that would have adapted now is he would not have been able to stash a Bryce Petty or a Seth Russell for right. three no, years. Yeah, but. but you do it. I mean, everybody, but nobody can. Right. right. So it's yeah. not like he was the one doing that. He was, Baylor was just really good at identifying in two years, this guy's going to be ready to play. And in three years, he's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And we have another guy who's ready to play right now. And, of course, Nick Florence taking the steps forward that he did kind of allowed them to do that between RG3 and Bryce Petty uh, and having that that time where Nick was the quarterback. But, I mean, they were able to identify, like, that kind of talent. So, yeah, the guys who – and here's the deal about guys who get quarterbacks. They're always going to. You know, Ryan Day is always going to be 
a guy who gets good quarterbacks. Okay, you didn't get Dale and Riola. Yeah, that's a bummer. But guess what? He's going to get somebody else. And then the year after, he's going to get somebody else. And he's probably going to be a guy who always gets quarterbacks. You know, until you, you know, apparently hit the wall like Jimbo Fisher did. But you're always going to be a guy who gets quarterbacks. You know, like there are right. those guys who are the quarterback whisperers and the ones who are well, Lincoln Riley. Browse, Browse would have been at the very top, yeah. like right, Link, right there Link, near the top of that yeah. list. Lincoln Riley is never not going to have a good quarterback. Now, he may not have good defensive tackles and linebackers, but believe me, that dude's going to have a good quarterback. He is going to. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is probably always going to have a good quarterback. And for as much as you can say whatever you want about him adapting and, and now hiring Garrett Riley, which I think is going to be great for them, but um, he's always he's a guy who know like they just know they can see it and there's that's a talent and Browse would have been that guy too. Sonny Dykes I think is probably about to be that guy. So that's the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole point of what so, I'm yeah. saying, yeah, is like that's what it was going to look like and. And now we'll see it just in a different uh, set of circumstances. Uh, Paxton says Mac Brown. In regard to that, I would put him on a tier below. I think Mac Brown's an excellent coach, but he was not. He was not batting a thousand on the QBs, you know, um, which is what was ultimately his un- undoing. Um, but you yeah, know. as far as a quarterback whisper, no, I no. wouldn't put Mac in that class. But um, very, very good coach for sure. Yeah, he's a great coach. I mean, like he had Vince Young, he has Drake May now. Um, you know, he had Major and, and Colt and... He had a good run of quarterbacks. Yeah. I just don't know that you point to him and go, yeah. he's he's the quarterback guy like you do Lincoln Riley. Yeah. that's no. that's I think that's where the difference lies. But, yeah. no, he definitely had a had a good crop of, yeah. Crop yeah. of players. Yeah, I would put him on that, on that next level. So, um, let's see. Here, another comment from the chat room. Unreal group of running backs from 01 Miami, Garrett. Okay, listen to these guys. 01 Miami's running backs. Willis McGahee, Najee Davenport, Clinton Portis, and Frank Gore. Oof. I forgot about Davenport, but yeah. yeah. Najee Davenport got in a little bit of trouble, and it, I kind of prevented him from succeeding in his post-Miami life. Mm-hmm. Um, he got in um, some kind of thing with his girlfriend, I think, where he took a dump in her closet. It was really <laughs> weird. Um, but I missed that, I think, or I yeah. just blacked it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, Frank Gore was not even the top running back on that team, and he's the one who had the longest. I mean, he just recently stopped playing in the NFL. He had the long, ridiculous, what I think is a Hall of Fame career. Um, a fantastic player. Willis McGay, he, you know, hurt his knee and wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't able to kind of hit those levels, but had his good run in the NFL, as did Clinton Portis. And that that's just. It's just that one position. Look at the wide. It's ridiculous. The wide receiver is still like, you know, make me cry a little bit. <laughs> just so good uh, on that 01 um, team. So um, let's see. Do, 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 do. I, um, I had another one here and I lost it because the chat room just kind of goes. Um, but yeah, I lost it. Let's. Um, oh, I guess we can take a break right now, get to David Hellman, and then and then to the top five, which we'll all have a theme this week, and I'll let you guys figure it out later when we do the first one. But this is 365 Sports. I'm not sure if you've been thinking about losing weight, trimming inches off your waist. Perhaps you've been, man, I got to start working out. I, I, I got to start losing weight. I have to start watching what I eat, but I need to start working out to help, well, help my pants or shorts fit better, make my T-shirt loose 
rather than just kind of jammed up against your side. If you have ever experienced that feeling, but you've never walked to the front door at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness, you are missing out. What they have done inside of that gym and what I call almost a tennis academy, it's both. They have an incredible amount of tennis courts in the back. They have a stadium court. They have pickleball courts, a fast-growing, exciting hobby that people play is serious. But inside the gym, new pieces of equipment filled with numerous classes that can be taught, whether it's cycling class or boot camp or even yoga. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness, when you walk through that front door, your life changes. And so will the inches around your waist, and so will how you feel when you get up or the night before, figure out what you're going to wear. You don't have to worry about it. You're going to be in better shape. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. MRI.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC. See an equal housing lender. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared 
to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott & White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with David Hellman of FoxSports.com. We'll get David Hellman in just a second. Running a little early right now. But, you know, we'll talk a little Cowboys with him as we do every week and and change things up. Um, not seeing anything all that exciting going on right now in the in the College World Series, but we'll certainly keep you uh, all of that. So let's see. Uh, Justin R. They could get rid of bowl tie-in and draw the matchups using bingo balls for bowl games. I'm assuming that's a, ch- a separate yeah. chat that's going on yeah, right I now. That was an older, talked- that's an older one. It was addressed to me. Uh, I'm so. sure there's some conversation that was going yeah. on uh, previously, I guess. But sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean uh, the NBA draft does it right to determine who's who's picking where ping pong balls. So, yeah, I assume I mean, they could. I mean, doesn't doesn't have to be hard to say Baylor and Air Force go play in Fort Worth or whatever. You know, I I, I don't know what that's in direct reference to. I but, think that's what it was. Okay, like, as I going back, like to going keep back them, to that, but it yeah. also doesn't prevent that from happening unless you I mean, just I take you, those ping pong balls out of that one particular draw. Right, I, I just don't think too many people argue that it's not a great reward and it's not exciting to get bowl eligible, even if you just barely do that. But regardless, you got it, and then they say, hey, go play at that place that you play every other year against your arch rival, their home stadium. That's an hour and a half away. I think that sucks, and it kind of sucked when it was first announced, and everybody tried to, like, put a – not everybody tried to, but, you know, you try to put a positive spin on it. Like, no, it's, it's a short drive. It's – and then it turns out to be like the coldest day in Fort Worth in like 50 years or whatever on top of that. And you just don't even play well because the weather's so miserable. And you're just seemingly a team that wants it to be over at this. It just, it all added up to being not fun, which that's really what bowl games are supposed to be. Yeah, there's some level of competition. And the higher up the chain you get, there's uh, an element of you know, less fun in, in terms of, you know, what you're accomplishing or looking to accomplish and who you're playing and all that. But, I mean, the Armed Forces Bowl isn't supposed to be some miserable experience. And that's what it was for all intents and purposes. Not the fault of the people working it or running it. Not their fault. Uh, what they had in their control, they did a great job with. Amon Carter's a nice place. All that was great. It's just the the actual reason why you were there and uh, the the want to be there, if you were sitting in the stands in particular, just like there's a lot left to be desired. But, uh, again, that's nobody's fault. Uh, well, 
some of it. <laughs> Baylor's performance is their fault, but beyond that, not the not the fans' fault in any way. Yeah, and I do think that the Armed Forces Bowl, like there's like a switch off of who gets picked in that game and all that. It I, just shouldn't be a big t- – I mean, this yeah. is not, I don't, I don't want to spend any more time yeah. on this because I've spent way too much time talking about the Armed Forces Bowl yeah. selection. <clears throat> but the point is, it's just you shouldn't play a Big 12 team there. It's a Big 12 site. You know, maybe it'd be fun for West Virginia to have a few days in Fort Worth, but the team an hour and a half away that's your arch rival, they don't need to play in that game. Just simple as that, in, in my opinion, and maybe others disagree, uh, but I, I just don't see how that's really desirable for – for anybody involved. Now, I do wonder, though, I mean, like the ping pong ball idea, not necessarily that, but now that we're going to have a 12-team playoff, are we at the point where bowl affiliation is dated and that you can just, if you just get no, a rank? because then how do you how, rank the people all the way down? Because, or Paul, like? what would happen as soon as the conference is in, what does that phone line look like for every desirable team? They've got 50 bowls calling them, and then they have to sort through that. No, like, it gives you an order. No, no what, I, what I'm saying is the order would be like, okay, you're not in the top 12, and then they just rank them all the way down, and then here's the bowls tiered down as you get, you know, so. Yeah, but, the, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that, that was but what then it how is. do you say, well, the Camilla Bowl gets more than, they get first pick versus the uh, Shreveport Bowl, and then. The, I think it would have to be a, a rotational thing, like they do with the playoff, yeah. like move bowl games around and, and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that you change the way it's done just because. There was one team that had a miserable experience last year that I talked about, um, but that can just be undone by simply saying, "Okay, it's just not a Big Twelve related bowl." Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I guess you know, Fort Worth's desirable for various reasons, but I just don't think that it is. Like, would TCU be happy to play there? Probably because it's their home stadium; you don't have to go anywhere. But beyond that, how excited is everybody else? I don't know. And that was also probably not the best example because of all the other factors that were mentioned already as far as the weather and all of that goes. But, yeah, not not a – you know, we need to change this because this happened. But, I don't know, I wouldn't mind a little tweak for that one particular example. Yeah, I do think, like, on the surface it would be more exciting if, like, one year you're in, you know, the Poinsettia Bowl and, the, you know, wherever that is, and the next year you're in the – in the Gator Bowl, and you're you're kind of moving all over the place, which is would be fun. And I think college athletics has the the financial means to do that now. But you know, I, I don't know if the bowls are ever going to go in for you know slotting after the the playoff. But I guess we'll see how that changes in the yeah. And don't years. even know what that's all going to look like. Yeah, we have no idea what it's going to look like. And then how many games are like when do bowl games the higher tier ones kind of go away? At, at you know at least to the level of like I said before. Um, I just wonder when the playoff comes around and, you know, you get a guaranteed home game in the in the first round, but if you get a first round bye, you don't get a home game. While that's your trade-off, how long before, you know, say Ohio State makes the playoff and doesn't get a home game five years in a row, but Michigan does. Like, do they say, well, we want that home game too, and we're going to try to change the rules to benefit us, whether it makes sense or not. Like, that's what I wonder because that seems to happen quite a bit in, in, in college football. What do you mean again? Okay, so in the new 12-team playoff, right? if you are in the first round of the playoffs and you don't get a bye, you're not everybody, but the top, the higher-ranked teams are going to host, right? Right. And the next round, it moves to, to neutral sites. So even though you have a bye – and you're in that round, if you're one of the big dogs and nev- don't have the home game, how long before you say we would like a home game too? 
Well, I mean, you can't have everything. You, you, you got to buy. You didn't yeah. play a game. I, I, I mean, I, I, I get, get what you're that, saying, though. I get that. That's the rule, Craig. I'm just saying we're not dealing with people who are not greedy as hell. Right. And that's when they're going to try and try to fight to change that. And then that would, would fundamentally change the bowl system as we, we know it. Like, that's what I wonder is how long or how long. Right. And I'm not talking directly to you. I'm just yeah. saying in general, if yeah. Ohio State does that, I would say you got to buy. Like, yeah. okay. So you want the buy and you want the home game so you can make all the money and get, like, I mean, you. I mean, you have to have some rules. I mean, yeah. I know we don't, we don't do that in college sports nowadays, but my response to that scenario is, F you, Ohio State, you've got the buy. So if you'd rather play a home game, well, then guess what? You're going to play an extra playoff game because you want that home game so badly, and we'll give Clemson the buy instead. And I doubt, seriously, that they would want to do it that way no. because but, they would not want to play an extra game because that's a challenge. But I get it. Yeah, you want to host a playoff game, and that's something that they'll have to figure out which is why maybe they expand even further. And then everybody has the, yeah. Well, and I just think the revenue part of it, too, is where do you say, well, it, it's not, it's better if we just did it to home games and, you know, until we got to a certain level of the playoff, until the end. Mm -hmm. And then we'll all take that revenue as opposed to, you know, having to spend it on two teams' road trips and more tickets will be sold because then you're asking fans to take more than one road trip, you know, to neutral sites and like they do now. Uh, generally, but when does the economics of that turn around and they, they start playing more home games in the playoffs too? You know, the, the NFL, you know, the NFL plays home games for a reason in the playoffs and don't go to the neutral site to the Super Bowl anyway. And so if you're going to mimic that, you're going to mimic that. And, you know, the, the, the power bowls be damned once the contracts are up. That's what I wonder if they're like, well, why don't we just do this and keep all the money ourselves and not have to do this and sell more tickets? Yeah, maybe, man. I mean, there's there's so many like this might happen in college sports uh, scenarios going on that that's I mean that's another one that's that's worth thinking about. But um, I mean, there's that that list is growing longer by the day as far as what you know teams may demand or want or you know uh, otherwise uh, need and and all that moving forward. I mean, we still have a couple years before there's even this expanded playoff to begin with. So I think you kind of need to go through it a time or two to really have an idea. That's a bit too far out to really. Um, you know, have a great uh, grasp of, you know, what Ohio State might be thinking in that scenario because more often than not, they're probably going to have a buy too. But, yeah, I mean, in that situation, I'm sure there will be some of that, um, hey, we'd like that. But, again, you gotta got got to have some, some, some line somewhere so that, you know, it's not – Ohio State gets a bye, and then they get to host their second-round game against a team that just played the week before, on, you know, and then they get to – I mean, what else, What other advantage yeah. do you need to, to get, you know, your way? I mean, at some point, if you really keep going the direction of these halves, well, then ultimately, like, Team 15 and 16 is going to be the Cleveland Browns, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's somebody's going to have to be the bottom dweller in, in the scenario ultimately, and, um, yeah, uh, that that's further down the road, however. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I wonder when that changes. And Justin R. said, you know, he thinks it could be like the, the basketball tournament where they, you know, randomly pick, you know, draws based on your seating and matchup. I mean, look, yeah. essentially seating it, you know, it's probably it's more that the problem is, is it's more than 64 teams that are going to go to bowls because there's what, 40 bowl games now, 45, something like that. So you look at 80, 90 teams, but if you seated one to 90 and then once you got past the the top 12, you know, 
these are where the sites are this year, and then next year they're different. I can you know, see that, yeah. It, it works for basketball, but just because it works for basketball doesn't mean it's the same. I also wonder, I mean, how much, I mean, if you do that, but, like, how much are fans expecting to travel? I mean, Georgia fans, how many tens of thousands of dollars are you setting aside just to go watch the postseason in these scenarios? Because, Mm -hmm. okay, you might, okay, you get a buy in week one, uh, but then where are you going next for the next three games that you're going to have to play? And then they expand it, like, okay, there's going to have to be some home sites, but even still, I mean, you're just asking fans for that much more travel unless they're one of the, you know, those first round by schools uh, and even then you're still going to be hitting the road if you keep winning so yeah it's asking a lot of the fans uh like a lot of the things being decided in in college sports right now and so uh that is something they'll they'll have to wrap their heads around uh, a bit more as we you know we move on into that that part of this uh this postseason that we're going to have it's going to be fascinating all of the different changes that uh, are a result of that or changes that take place leading into that and you know, what that looks like on the other end. I think we're all all wondering kind of the same things. Yeah, so there's a lot that could change. Uh, I guess David Hellman, um, not – Well, LSU won, so he might be preoccupied. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll text him. I might have forgotten to text him this morning uh, now that I think about it. So, uh, and remind him, but usually he's he's good to go. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back with, uh, with David, uh, later on in the week if we can, or, or just wait till next week. Look, it's summer break for a, a lot of people in the, in the sports writer, uh, media business, because this is the time before we have to get to media days and training camps and stuff like that. So the month of June, uh, gets a little bit harder to nail people down when we come back the top five, and I'll see if you guys can guess the overarching theme for the week. This is 365 sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. General Manager Ted Teague, they are fantastic. They support the annual academic all-stars team. They support so much in the local community. Yes, they also have great vehicles. If it's time for you to upgrade the ride you have, Alan Samuels should be a dealer that you have on your list. They believe that every driver throughout Central Texas should be able to proudly own a reliable automobile. They have great staff members to make sure that they take care of what you need when you're looking at buying a new car. Dependable used models, a wide variety of new vehicle inventory, amenities you need to shop for, new to you, car. Uh, it, it's, it's tremendous what you have now inside cars. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, they aim to please. AJ, the salesperson who helped me buy a car back in 2020. Bonds they build with customers. Ram trucks, Jeep, Chrysler, all of what they have. And, of course, Dodge and Fiat. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store and more. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Nitchie Group Insurance Agency. With the Nitchie Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Nitchie Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Nitchie Group at 1-800-258-8302. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the the beef business, uh, the the ranching business, and we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have uh, you know a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top five coaches searching for a ring. Number five, James Franklin at Penn State. One of the most well thought of coaches in the country, but they haven't even won the Big Ten since he's been there. And every time a job comes up like USC or Oregon or somewhere else, James Franklin's name is mentioned whether he's a candidate or not. And he's an excellent coach, but, uh, you know, it's getting to the time where, you know, before we start putting him in this upper tier, like he's got to win the conference. He's got to, you know, maybe compete in the playoff. Now with 12 teams coming, I'm sure that'll happen for Penn state um, more often now, but 
even still, um, still hasn't, yeah, as far as I know, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there, but I don't think he's won the conference at Penn State since Ohio State and Michigan have won it since he's been the coach there pretty much exclusively. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. I mean, yeah. we can we can look it up. Yeah, and no, see, so. see the list of Big Ten champions, but uh, no, I think you're right. And uh, obviously, a guy that uh, is very well thought of. A uh, lot of rumors swirling around him, as you mentioned uh, over the years. But he's stayed put in Happy Valley, and um, you know those schools went other directions. And I think uh, you know USC in particular that was a hot and heavy rumored place for him for a while. But Lincoln Riley makes a lot of sense for them, and. Uh, that looks like it's going pretty well. But, yeah, certainly you'd, you'd love to, to jump up and go ahead. Uh, yes, they won okay. in 2016. Sorry. There you go. There you so, go. yeah, he, he has done it. Um, so I guess taking it to the the next level would be, uh, you know, winning it and getting into the playoff and, and seeing what you can do there. And I know there's a lot of people optimistic about them heading into this season. So maybe this is uh, the year that they do that uh, with, with Drew Aller there taking over at quarterback for Sean Clifford and, and all the rest they've got coming back. I mean, there's a lot of uh, buzz for the Nittany Lions right now. But, yeah, so he did he did win it. It sounded strange, but I didn't know for sure. So good for him. Yeah. Um, number four, Chip Kelly. Um Came real close at Oregon, but ran up against Urban Meyer uh, and an Ohio State team that was just humming on all cylinders. Uh, Zeke Elliott tore them up in that game. It was in it was in Dallas. Actually, he wasn't even the coach then. That was uh, that was the year after. So he had, he had not even been that. But he'd won conference titles at Oregon. I just remember seeing him there because I was there. But um, but yeah, Chip Kelly's not one. He built teams at Oregon. He's seemingly got UCLA uh, on a roll. But this is a guy who was really well thought of, but also. Uh, no ring yet uh, in Chip Kelly and has been a coach for a long time. Uh, thought of as an innovator. Um, had a couple since in the NFL before he's bounced back now here at UCLA on their way to the Big Ten next year. And I, I like, you know, I wonder, you know, can he get UCLA to the level he had Oregon at uh, before he left and took that job, especially going to the new conference? Is this something? But he's he's a guy who. When he was at Oregon, was coming close, and at UCLA appears to have built something, you know, on the up here. But uh, been a guy who's been in this a long time and is a big name, and just still doesn't have one. So I'm assuming based on the number five, they were talking national titles here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean he he's a guy who's who's knocked on that door, been wildly successful. I don't love his chances moving forward in the Big Ten, though. I yeah. mean with with UCLA. Um, had a great run last year. I think, uh, you know, he's a heck of a football coach, but that's going to be hard to come by. If he wins a national title as a Big Ten member with UCLA, that will be Hall of Fame, top-line, headline stuff there. But uh, I'm not holding my breath with uh, with all that. But I think that uh, they're very intriguing, uh, it, even more so than USC in so many ways, about, you know, where what they're heading into from a football perspective. Yeah, Mark Herzlick was the coach at Oregon that year with Marcus Mariota, um, but I did. I was there covering the game, and I was in the auxiliary. Helfrich, right? Yeah, Helfrich. Uh, Helf, yeah, Herzlich is the linebacker. Thank you. Helfrich was uh, was there, and, and so I was on the elevator going down to the media room, and we stopped on the floor that Chip Kelly was watching from the suite, and he – and someone else got on, and they were just obviously disappointed that the Oregon had lost the game. Sure, uh, and was was really like he was grumpy, uh, and, and and justifiably so. Number three, Jim Harbaugh. Um, this is a guy who, I mean, back to back conference titles in the playoff a couple times, but uh, Michigan fans desperately want to see him take that leap. And um, 
you know, has not. I mean, last year the TCU game was, I'm sure, wildly disappointing, and I think that they, um, they as a team and especially as a fan base, thought like, oh well, we're lucky we got the little upstart before we play Georgia or. I guess potentially Ohio State again, but but yeah, that this is a guy who you know needs one. I mean, to maybe legitimize his run at, at Michigan, especially as much as he flirted with going back to the NFL. Yeah, um, I mean that's why he's there. He's there to win Big Ten titles and, and hopefully national titles as well. It's been a little while since '97 for them, so uh, yeah, that's that's the the validation that's that's missing at this point for for him is. Uh, the big one, and you know, certainly they've they've done it uh, regularly enough in Columbus since the Wolverines got their last one that it's it's growing by the day that urgency and that need to to win one. But I don't know. I think he cooled off a lot of talk last year with mm-hmm. what they did, even if it ended up you know with a bad loss there at the end. I mean, and let's not act like TCU's came out and just kicked their no. ass and just left them in the dust and never looked back. I mean, that game ended up being wildly competitive and. It was just the story of TCU was eking out every single close game except for the Big 12 title game. Mm-hmm. So the first and only time all year they didn't win a close game. The mm-hmm. only time was that game. So, uh, you know, Michigan, uh, I think, probably left that one with their heads spinning a little bit because that was not what was expected. But, I mean, they're a good program. They're strong right now. And, you know, I don't know if they're so strong as to, to be the last team standing when all said and done. Uh, but, yeah, that's definitely a missing piece on his resume. Number two, Brian Kelly, all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. Uh, got them to the championship game against Alabama one year. And, you know, it just – it never got to the, the total mountaintop with him there before uh, it appeared that both sides kind of were ready to move on from one another. And now he's taking the job at LSU. And he is – I mean, look, there's one goal there at LSU, and that's to win the national title. And – to me, this is a team that wants to win national titles, a coach that appears to be capable of doing it, uh, or at least getting his team there, and maybe the step taking him from over the hump was being at a place like LSU, Garrett, in that, you know, it's just a a little bit easier to get your players into school at LSU than it is at Notre Dame, and I think that was one of the things he was running up against, and um, he wanted to make the jump to the SEC, had a really, really excellent first year, and got his team, which nobody expected to be in the SEC title game, but he's got one job, and that's to win a national title. No, no doubt he does. I mean, when you look at – that's the the crazy thing when you look at all these coaches is LSU's the only – program where every coach ahead of him has a national championship so like the bar is set there and then when you look across the athletic department as well you know it's it's not just the standards different because you have a women's basketball team that's one natty the baseball team's still going it's it's different than what he was uh, dealing with at um notre dame i just hope he can do it for my sake but we'll see yeah well i mean i think that you know he he's he is ed orgeron won that that title because he was part of recruiting a bunch of really good players and then they got Joe Burrow out of the Mm -hmm. transfer portal but the reason he's not there anymore is he was not an organizer and the the program was pretty disorganized Brian Kelly is really good at all that like off the field behind the scenes type administrative stuff that builds modern programs into consistent winners because that's what he did at Notre Dame and reinvented himself after he it kind of hit a wall. So um, for all the personality people may not like about Brian Kelly, I mean, the proof's in the pudding, and the only thing he has left to do is, is win that title. 
So yeah, I think y'all said pretty much it all. Uh, but yeah, that's something that's missing, and uh, he did a great job in year one in Baton Rouge. Let's see what he does uh, in round two. But I think it's only upward trajectory from here. I mean, uh, you know, the record might not be as solid every single year. Um, it'll be little dips and valleys, but um, I mean, no reason to believe he can't go win the big one at LSU. I, I see no reason why not. Yeah, absolutely. And number one, Lincoln Riley. I mean, how many Heisman Trophy winners can you have and not win the thing? Um, not that everybody who has the Heisman Trophy winner wins it, but usually guys who have multiple ones uh, have. And if they can ever get it figured out on defense, I mean, honestly, if he can ever get it figured out on defense, he might win six of them. He's an excellent, excellent coach, but so far hasn't got it figured out on defense, and that's what undone them at Oklahoma. It's what undid them at the end of last year. At the end, that and, you know, Caleb Williams getting hurt against Utah, but even still, I don't know. Like, so say Caleb Williams doesn't get hurt and USC is in that title game uh, or is in that first game against Georgia. I don't know if they would have done much better than Ohio, than Ohio State did just because Georgia was a juggernaut. Dude, Ohio State almost beat Georgia. Yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, true. Let's not trip. Like, they yeah. could have beaten Georgia yeah. that night. Like, that wasn't a. We, we think Georgia's kicked yeah. everybody's ass. That was that was not a, a butt kicking like that. The Buckeyes very well could have found themselves. Well, in yeah, the title they make game. the field goal. I'm what I'm saying yeah. is I don't. I'm not. Like, I'm just saying in general. Yeah, it's all right. I just can't like assume that they would have gone into one instead of Ohio State right. and beaten Georgia. Like you know, they they would have had the same problems everybody else did with Georgia. You know, and how they adapted. Ohio State had the best run, and everybody's still mad at Ryan Day for it. But right. um, you know when. Ohio State and Mizzou were the two teams the year that actually got it had a chance to to maybe beat you know Georgia uh, and no one else did uh, so but yeah I mean it they're like he's right there and I just wonder you know what it's going to take for him to to fix his team to make it more balanced so that they can make those runs consistently. Yeah, I mean that's what uh, I guess everybody's wondering about him at this point. But uh, start with winning a playoff game. Um, that would be a start because he hasn't done that yet either, much less win a national title. But I mean they're set up really well. Um, it's going to be a more, you know, interesting field they're they're entering. Obviously, much like with UCLA, but to an even greater degree because more is expected of the Trojans in, in this arena. But uh, yeah, I mean they have no excuses. They've got the money. They've got. The uh, talent uh, base, they've got the, you know, the facilities and the coaches, and it seems like everything, all the Hollywood stuff and everything that Lincoln had in Norman and, and more, um, I mean, really, uh, maybe there's a couple of, you know, things here that, like, the per diems are, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's something Oklahoma did that was slightly better, but, I mean, there's no reason why he can't go win a title at USC, and, and that is something that, he needs to do before all is said and done. But other than that, that's the only thing he hasn't done. He's exactly. done all the rest of it. So he's he's a great coach. Yeah, he's a fantastic coach. I, I like I if if you told me you can have one coach to build your program for and he's not going to leave for twenty years because he's young and uh, I mean that's the guy I'd pick. Right. I mean that's there's no one there's no one else. Like you have one, it's Lincoln Riley because I do I think he'll eventually get it figured I out do too. But I mean, dude's very young still, forty one years old or Look something. At him like, next to Chip and Brian Kelly for God's sakes. I mean, look at that. He's He's of a different era, so yeah, he's got a little bit of time, and he's in a great spot, and they're just really getting started. He only had one year under his belt um, and already brought a Heisman Trophy winner to L.A., so uh, yeah, they're they're going to be fun to watch this year uh, for better or worse. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, Craig, updating a story 
Emory, thanks for sending this over. Oh, uh, the Pac-12 is disbanding? No. Uh, Brandon Booker uh, decommitted from Baylor because he has a new place he's going. Okay. He's going to Stanford. Oh, well, gosh. I mean, dude, that's so much – I'd so much rather hear that than hear, it say, like A&M or Oklahoma or Texas or any other number of programs because, you know, that's I, – I just figured, like, all right, decommit, probably what, NIL money? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the first thing your brain goes towards. So the fact that he's going to Stanford, like, salute to you, Brandon Booker. That's an incredible choice. Any Baylor fan who gets mad at that choice is a fool because if there's one place you go like, yep, that makes sense, that would be the place that you would just go, all right, I get it. Uh, you, you got eyes on bigger prizes than football. And so kudos to you, Brandon Booker. And, uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good thing to – to, to know. So, yep. Brandon Booker him. has committed to Stanford and new head coach Troy Taylor. Thanks to Sam Khan for earlier in the show. 365 Sports tonight on the CW tonight at 1030. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for watching. Whenever you do, Smokey's back tomorrow. Have a great one, everybody.